welcome to my field. We got a big show today. Pretty excited for this one, man. Yeah, man. We got a whole lot, a whole lot to talk about. Yeah, we uh, had Denver Pop Culture Con this past weekend. At AEW tonight, DC Unleashed, uh, Night Terrors, the first uh, five, six books on this. So we got a lot of interesting things to talk about. We got some uh, amazing what's in the box, but it's not really Denver Pop Expo we're talking about. What it really is, is Tony Morales and Joshua Michaels' excellent adventure. This is true. This is true. <laughs> this, was, this was a good day for the books. Oh, yeah, because on top of, uh, you know, not only did we actually have the con itself to attend, which we did, um, you know, we actually took advantage of a couple of places that had some pretty killer deals, were able to uh, spend, you know, spend a decent amount of money before we even stepped foot in the con, which is uh, you know, pretty awesome. Yeah, some of the best booty I got uh, from from the whole day was at Cobalt. Um, I mean... See, we started out at freaking. Uh, met up with you around ten. Yep, around, around 10, ten. Yeah, would have been there a little bit earlier. Couldn't find my sunglasses. I actually left them at a Chili's the night beforehand. I had because uh, my eyes are real sensitive. I had to buy some Bush League uh, sunglasses at a gas station. That's why I had those ridiculous wraparounds most of the day. Yeah, we were making fun of you on the inside. It's, yeah, it's all good. You should have. You should have. We pick you up. We uh, head straight to Cobalt, where Mr. Brandon treated us like kings, like usual. Hooked, we, we got yeah. discounts everywhere, man. He hooked us up. Like, uh, what'd you find? Yeah, no, nah, definitely. What'd you find at old Cobalt? Oh, no. Nah, I started working on some, uh, getting some stuff for my Green Arrow run, which is awesome. You know, knocked off some books there. Knocked off some books. Uh, knocked off some uh, detective comics. You know, working... Working on the 800 so I can get that little mix in between. Because I've currently got, I think, issues 550 through 700, to 800 complete. But I'm still kind of choppy on 800 to 881, which is the end of everything before uh, New 52 started up. Very nice. Yeah, I feel like I got robbed there because I'm poking around. I was doing the Kismet thing, just pulling random books, just looking. I mean, sometimes I go through the books like one by one, but most of the time I'm most successful when I just start wandering and looking to see what I bump into. Like that time when I found all those ultras and mm -hmm. um, freaking uh, Brandon hooked me up with the end of three complete runs of Dawn. I finally have yeah. all of three tiers, all of uh, Return of the Goddess, and... Actually, no, it was just two runs, and then a couple of books that aren't in Overstreet, and a few of the really in-depth searches, like some of the con sketchbooks that Linsner did. Um, uh, I've got a Dawn uh, pinup book to match my uh, freaking Lady Death lingerie issue. Uh, he's apparently got some Dawn trading cards for me, but I'll buy them. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, not only that, he didn't even, like, give those to really Like, he didn't even find them for you. He went to the back yeah. and pulled them out for you. Very nice. And uh, that was after he uh, he redid his uh, his shop. Whole shop was completely different from last time we'd been there. All the wall books were gone. And, yeah, he moved with the register and whatnot. And actually, 
utilize the space far better than he had previously. And he actually shortened the space too, which was was it's funny you say that. Like the the space was utilized way better, way more accessible, and there was less space. Yeah, that's kind of weird when you think about it. No, he did a great job. Like the counter in the back, he can see everything. Um, not gonna lie, like like you said, the disappearance of the wall books. It's like you gotta have wall books. Oh yeah, that's it's you know. First thing I look for when I go into a shop is always gotta gravitate to the wall books first, see what the uh what big books they have. You never you never really know. It's a big litmus test when you first walk into a store you've never seen. I mean like most stores have wall books, but like if you walk into a store and they're trying to sell you a book that you know for certain, but like I can't tell you how many times like minefielders, I've said it before do not pay anything more than $20 for spawn number one. It doesn't matter what grade it is. Do not pay more than 20 bucks. And you walk into a store and they've got spawn number one for 900. No, I'm sorry, not, for a hundred dollars. Um, mm-hmm. it, it should be an immediate disclosure to you secretly that these guys are just gouging people. Like, cause that's ridiculous. There's millions of copies of spawn. There's no reason it should be more than like 20 bucks. Absolutely not. Yeah. But yeah, you got some. Uh, you got some Ironmans. You got some Green Arrows. I got some Dawns. We got to chill with Mr. Brandon. Very nice gentleman. Uh, we don't even subscribe there, and we've gone there enough that he hooks us up with a discount, which is very nice. Yeah, no, man. Always, uh, always good to see him. Always in a good mood. Freaking. Always ended up conversing with different people there. I ended up meeting a buddy of his, and I believe his name was Stephen. Yes. And he was a totally cool guy. Had gone to the con the day before, so we kind of got some uh, some information from him. So that was that was really super cool. We should have asked him where the damn comic books were. One, ah, there's one. Abuela friendly friends. I believe that yeah. does not like the. Yeah, I mean, we, we I mean we definitely found the comics. It took a little bit longer than it probably should have, but we got there. Yeah, we got there pretty quick, but even then, it was longer than I wanted. I wanted to find them fast. Yeah. No, definitely, man. Uh, yeah, we went from there. Went to uh, left there. Freaking hit up all C's real quick because uh, they put online that they were having a fifty percent off all back issues. And you know, it's you know, other than wall books, my big my big things back issues, and we indulged. Yeah, we did. We got some good books there. Yeah, no, nah, we ended up finding finding quite a few good books. Found a, I didn't believe what a stack. Yeah, you had a good, probably 20, 30 book stack, just freaking that buy one, get one, or it was a 50% off of all books. They ended up finding some more detectives, more Green Arrow, working, working my way through the second and third volume at the moment. It's kind of like one of those stores that was like made for us. Like there's never a time when we don't go in there and they're not like watching pro wrestling. Oh yeah, now they were watching the Money in the Bank pay-per-view live while they were while they were working, so that's always awesome. Yep. But yeah, no, we did that. You know, we were able to find uh, find some books specifically to get signed at the con. We definitely we had we had planned to meet Andy Kubert and we planned to meet Mark Silvestri. Uh, so that was we missed Donnie Cates, but I think I don't I didn't see him, man. I swear we looked everywhere. I would have thought so too, but yeah, I don't remember seeing him off the top of my head as well. I definitely remember seeing a couple of, there's at least one or two uh, vendors at the con that specifically had Donny Kate issues. 
in a in a short box. Yeah, I got Vanisher number so. one specifically for him to sign. That one's a little hard to find at the moment. That's one of his most popular books at the moment because he kind of fell a little bit off the map after a few of his books didn't really hit as hard as as I'm sure everyone hoped they would, like The Incredible Hulk. Um, mm -hmm. I've grabbed about that a few times. I mean, it didn't it didn't suck, but it wasn't something I would expect Kate's to write. I mean, I'm glad he tried, but yeah, I wonder where he was. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, no, we ended up picking up, like I said, picked up some good books. Ended up picking up a uh, second issue of Deadly Duo for Sylvester to sign. And then ended up picking up, like, the second or third appearance of um, Damian Wayne for Hubert to sign. And freaking, yeah, that was kind of nice to walk in there with the books already ready. Uh, you, you had actually gone a different route. Because you were looking for one book in particular. Very, one very book in particular, because I totally forgot to go and find my original. But even then, didn't really matter. I found a better grade one. We'll get to that when it comes in the box. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, nah, man. Those guys are guys over at All Seas are always very nice, very friendly, very uh, willing to help. Always willing to let you look at a wall book or five. <laughs> right. But yeah, you know, for, for all my talk, though, you know, between, well, Cobalt, like I said, it was off the table at the moment. But uh, even at all C's, I normally find, I normally get something off the wall. I actually didn't pick up anything off the wall. I was kind of, while I was definitely willing to indulge in back issues, I wasn't really looking to get in any big books as of yet. I was saving, saving the big book money for the actual con itself. All C's has taken us for a run on their wall, man. Oh, yeah, and always a very pleasant jog yes it is got my preacher number one there man they gave me a deal on that one that was gnarly yeah i definitely end up getting some pretty good old school uncanny x-men from them a couple of amazing spider-man books over the years a lot of times i just like to stare at their wall to like justify some of the indie books i've taken a chance on like middle west or uh monstrous or I think a few other ones on there. There's a couple ones on there that I kind of get a chuckle out of that everyone was like fawning over and falling over themselves to find like damned number one. Like they just, they yep. can't push it. <laughs> like mm -hmm. they, they can't push it. Like that's going to be a $10 book in five years, man. <laughs> nice. Yeah. If they had still had, I remember last time we'd gone previously, they had Hellblazer one on the wall. And I was like, if they had Hellblazer one, I definitely would have picked that one up. But wasn't, like I said, I was looking for I wasn't really looking for specific big books. I had a couple in mind, but I definitely wasn't like, I definitely wanted to save the majority of the money I had uh, for the con itself. Well, 100%. Yeah, I was a little nervous spending so much at uh, freaking uh, Cobalt, but I couldn't fall asleep on those Dawn books, man. Yeah, it's one of those things. One of the, one of the things somebody told me a long time ago is if you're, which actually plays into... Uh, my thoughts later when we get to what's in the box is that uh, if you're ever going to regret getting not getting a book, you should get the book. Oh, yeah. It it reminds me of one of my old lady's favorite movies and one of mine, uh, one of the lines from Starship Troopers. And like, Rico, remember when you asked me for some advice? Yeah. You want some now? Yeah. Never pass up a good thing. Mm -hmm. No. Don't do it. Yeah. 
I, dude, yeah, we ended if, up... if I'd have fallen asleep in those Dawn books, you would have gotten a phone call from me at four in the morning. <laughs> like, why? It'd have, gone, it'd, have, it'd, have gone, it'd have gone to voicemail. I'm not, I'm not waking up at four in the morning. Yeah, but still. So, somebody better be dead. <laughs> or somebody will be dead. Of course. <laughs> I'm not waking up Mrs. Morales for no random reason. Like, no, you, th- you think I've got my, my freaking phone set to freaking make noise? Come on, it, that, that's a gun ain't ringing. For comic book buying mis- regret? Yeah, no. No. That's how I got, that's how I got my, uh, my first freaking... Black Eye? Uh, CB, no, my first CBCS <laughs> freaking graded comic was freaking because I, somebody was like, hey, you know, if you don't get it, you're gonna regret it. They would have been right. Of course. Then uh, we got a little uh, turned around backwards trying to find the light rail, but I'll let you take point on this one. Yeah, no, we 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 pulled in because I think I think we, you said initially it was like forty five minutes to the light rail, and I was like that can't be it. So we ended up getting off on an exit, thinking it was a light rail. Turns out it was the uh, the, the RTD buses. So we ended up going back going back and getting on the highway. And we'd ended up passing a couple of places before we finally pulled in where we'd actually ended up, where we actually started our journey last year. Yeah. On the on the rails. Right before the IKEA. And freaking, yeah, right over there by the IKEA. So yeah, no problem. Fortunately, apparently all July on the uh, on the rails is free to get on, which probably and partly into our story for later. Um, but yeah, we were h- hanging out on the rails. We'd, uh, there was a, a group of younger people and they were, uh, also going to the con, which is awesome. We got a chance to discuss with them plans and whatnot, which they were was cool. fun. They were cool. They were cool. They were, they were definitely cool. You know, and then we were, we got, we got to an exit. We were relatively close to where we had to switch trains. And then he showed up. <laughs> Had a gentleman, an older gentleman with a cane, trying to get on the handicap exit or in, on the handicap entrance. And the uh, the conductor of the train was like, "You can't get on here." And the guy, instead of just moseying over to the next e- exit or the next entrance and hopping on the train, decided he felt like acting the fool. And started going off on this poor, this poor old gentleman conductor, who ended up fighting back, and they ended up having a little bit of a, uh, I don't know if I qualify it quite as a shouting match, but definitely some words were exchanged, and the uh, the conductor ended up getting in his, you know, in his seat in the front of the train, and the guy got on his on the on the train and just kept. Kept talking, talking to anybody who listened, talking to people who wouldn't listen, talking to people in his head, just kind of, you know, just kind of talking. We just gave each other that look, like, all right, this is happening. We better be ready. I remember thinking, looking back, because like I had my back to the front, and uh, mm-hmm. I see like homeboy holding his baby like one foot away, and I'm like, how is this guy like? The second that guy would have gotten on that that train, if I had a baby on me, like we'd be moving backwards. <laughs> like, yeah, like he 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 was fearless. I mean, he he was a big old tough Mexican dude, Mexican dude. But 
Yeah, some guy decided he wanted a full-blown malfunction, man. And uh, he, he got on with his, like, his little... It wasn't, like, a shopping cart, but I guess it was the equivalent of, like, the uh, hobo bindle. Uh, yeah, a little bit. And uh, sits down and starts malfunctioning. Like, you, you're a kid, man. I'm like, okay, he's talking to himself. He's screaming at people. What's going to happen? Yeah. And you know something's going to happen, but you're just trying to, you know... Write it out and keep one eye on them just in case things uh, things expedite and things get you know get moved up to the next level. I just didn't want to end up on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, definitely, definitely could have been plausible. I mean, we still don't know we're not. Two brown guys hurt. <laughs> like we're just trying to calm them down. We're... I don't know. It's not yeah. like I was ready to do anything. It was just, I was just more ready to like if something happens, we gotta. We're a team. We got to figure it out. But it was just like, I, I was praying yeah. for a little bit, man, on that one. Like, let's just, you know, hopefully nothing happens. He gets off on the next stop. Yeah, I was, I was just watching, and then we ended up. I think it was like maybe two, three exits before we got to uh, where we were going to have to switch trains to get to the con. And uh, we're all, you know, as soon as the uh, we get to the part we're supposed to get off, we see security pull on up, and you know, as we're getting up, you know. That they're they're kind of sequestering this gentleman and talking to him, and gentleman, you know, still getting rowdy, and we end up staying there probably what a good twenty thirty minutes before our our other train comes up. And the heat, it felt like an hour, man. But yeah, like security came in, but then like was it two or three Denver police it, officers? It was one. It, it was one initially, and by the time it was all said and done. There was a good five to seven between security and the actual Denver police yeah. were there. And Homeboy was on the ground, sitting down, handcuffed. Post-tasing. <laughs> Post-tasing, with two different colored shoes on. Blue and white. Still, no, red, red and white. Else. Red and white. It was red and blue. Red and blue. Red, red and blue. One blue one, one red one. And freaking still sitting there just running his mouth. And the whole thing is all you need to do is say, I'll just, you know, just move down to the next door. Just move down to the next door and calm down. And you would have been fine and your day wouldn't have been ruined. Man, like, it, it, it I, I'm not someone that lives with constant anxiety and I'm not harping on anyone that, that does, but I do have a constant anxiety when I am in public worried that I'm going to run into a malfunctioning human being and something's gonna happen and okay so like that kind of put me on a little bit of high alert but uh mm -hmm. it's just kind of funny that all he had to do is just going through the right exit yeah that was literally it and there wouldn't have been a problem I mean, like now was, was that dog a police dog or is that just some random dude's dog because there was a german shepherd there no that was a that was a police dog right they, they were definitely looking for something so, but yeah, no, man, freaking he ended up, like I said, freaking work, you know, and then, you know, half hour later, we're on another train heading to the con and wait, he's wait, sitting there in handcuffs. Wait, you, you forgot about the hoochies. Can you say hoochies? <laughs> hoochies. Does that count? No, I don't think I, I've heard, I've heard at least one of my like aunts use hoochie, like not a problem. But not in Abuela though. It's not, not ant friendly. It's a whale friendly. Uh, let's give it a fifty center on that one. 
Okay, I'll give you that. That sounds fair. What, what I meant to say was hood rats. <laughs> Some hood rats. Like, uh... My grandma never used the term hood rats. <laughs> like, the second I saw... The second I saw those two... And, like, like the funny thing was, is, like... It wasn't just the amount of hood rattiness that they had. It was the fact that they had a baby. Like, like you look 13 years old and there's a baby and the mama was there, like... I had a kid because MF and like just going off like talking to a random stranger about what she would done if this guy had mm-hmm. actually done something, and uh, and like also the second I saw him, I, like two live crew pops in my head, like <laughs> just like yeah. like uh, I, I kind of leaned into you know it's just like uh, tricking you know tail like who she is. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I forget. It ended up being quite a uh, an interesting little trek. From, Started from the car to the freaking to the venue. It told us we were gonna have a good that day. That's for sure. It ended up being an adventure. That is for sure. We ended. Up, it was so. It was so crazy. I think we were trying to be there. The goal was to be there by two. I think we rolled in there somewhere around three. Like three. And I was worried because I I bought my ticket late and I had the. Saturday ticket, but I can only get in past two. Yep. And uh, freaking, we get. I, I was just, I was just mad because I was like, all the good comics are gonna be gone, and I'm with to punch Josh in the face. <laughs> that was cool, but I appreciate the uh, not punching me in the face. But uh, we yeah, always you're lucky. I got a good comic book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right off the freaking bat too, man. But before we get oh, to no, that, that, that one that one was later on actually. I think I got some I got some run fillers first. I'm thinking about last year. Uh, freaking! You yeah, got last year I got that book cast. Yeah, but yeah, we get there. On tops it though. We get our passes. I get that gnarly uh, fan expo. Uh, Miles Morales lanyard. Uh, let's let's talk about the passes. Oh, the passes! Is that not one of the most annoying things? Yeah. Like you already paid for your ticket. They already, you know, you gotta oh, God. use your ticket to even get in the building. You, and then they hand you a pass, and you can only get in. You have to turn this pass on using your phone and hopping online, and then you gotta you gotta use freaking the pass. You you'd use a pass to get the pass. There's a and code on the back. Use that pass to get into the building because even though you already bought a ticket, unless you have the pass, you can't get in the you can't get into the con. Yeah, and you in order to get the to activate your pass after you've already been. Given it after you've already paid for your ticket, you none of our phones were working. There was no there, there's yeah, no reception there no and service in there. No, it's a, it's there's too many people. Like I had five bars and it still wasn't working. Mm-hmm. We had to. Yeah, I don't believe I don't believe in the internet. Yeah, and then we had to hunt down like some slightly helpful people that were. Uh, some I don't know. I'm gonna say. That... They were they were helpful enough to get us in the building. I'm gonna I'm gonna give them credit for that. They were actually very useful. It was just the fact that we had to hunt them down in the first place that was a pain in the butt. I just don't like how they were talking to us. <laughs> oh, the one guy was definitely a jerk. Oh, there's no doubt about it. The the first lady we ran into was extremely helpful. The other guy was a jerk. Yeah, it was and then finally we got in and then How you gonna be how you to be a volunteer and not wanna be there? I know, right? And, like, we're hearing about, like, their breaks and, like, you're a volunteer and, like, they're worried about what breaks they're having when their lunches. I'm, like, if I'm a volunteer and I and I want to go outside and smoke a cigarette for two hours, 
<laughs> I'm gonna go do that. Yeah, is that is what it is. Oh right, yeah, so, no, I mean, we were able to get into the con once. You know, once we were done with that, it was you know smooth sailing pretty much. But it was really ridiculous. You freaking had to. You, know, you had to get a pat. You had to get a. You had to get a ticket to get a pass. <laughs> you had to activate the pass, and then you were allowed into the actual con itself. After it scanned and said that you'd activated it, yeah. Yeah. But nonetheless, we get in. Luckily, it wasn't as packed as last year. Um, but uh, <laughs> we're hunting the comics. We find a couple, and then we find Artist Alley. We find Mister Jim Lee uh, right off the bat, but. I was on the mission for Silvestri, and then the first, yeah. but he was uh, gonna be back around five o'clock, and then we see Mister Andy Hubert, and uh, coin my own phrase, uh, that was a no-brainer because freaking he had the, you had stuff for him to sign. Uh, what I think it was like ten bucks per signature for whatever. Yeah, it was, it was ten bucks for a signature, and then he had comics you could buy for additional price, but he also had those freaking wall pieces. That were freaking some of his most famous covers, and like I had already, I, like I said, I'd bought a book for him to sign specifically from All Seas on the way up. But even then, I was still like, you know, there there was a poster of freaking Uncanny X Men two sixty six, first appearance of Gambit, and freaking I was like, you know, I gotta, like, I gotta go with that. Like, yeah, that's you know, Gambit's the Gambit's my dude's been my dude since the nineties, freaking. You know, had had to had to invest in that. Oh, so I got him to sign both of them. Freaking. And then uh, which uh, which cover do you go with? Uh, for my first, what's in the box? I got the Flashpoint. Flashpoint one. Nice. Let's zoom in the signature there, but that's a little rolled up. But I gotta figure out. If, I'm gonna frame. You know, I'm gonna frame this one, man. Like that. Uh, oh, you have to. It was a little bit of a hard decision but when well, finally when my eyes landed on flashpoint we know flashpoint getting that one this is gorgeous yeah it was nice to meet it's your him. favorite movie <laughs> we'll talk about that have later. you even seen it yet <laughs> no i've not seen it yet i i can't i can't go to the movies man i just i i i can't do what i want to at the movies you know if i want to have a drink uh, I gotta pay $20 for a beer. If I wanna vape... So you can do it, you just don't wanna pay for it. Correct. Okay. Uh, that's, that's fair. Plus, I like the, uh, the sanctity of, uh, the, uh, Jennifer Walters School for Wayward Mutants and Artists. We will watch movies in here. But, uh, yeah, the Flashpoint was great. He was, he was quite a gentleman. Um, it was just so great meeting... I mean, they are just people. I get it. Yeah. Like, Silvestri, just a person, you know, but he was a, mm-hmm. Mr. Andy was just a very nice gentleman. But he, he was a very famous person we had to wait in line to see. Well, we didn't really have to wait too long to meet him, man. I don't, it's like. We'll, we'll get to, we'll get to that part, because that ended up being one of the uh, highlights of the con, was sitting there waiting in line. No, I agree, but funny. what I was actually going to bring up was, like, one of the things why I, I hate that it's a fan expo. I mean, I get it that they, you know, trademark Comic-Con over in San Diego, but, like, mm-hmm. But it's about the comics, so like in all the, it, but it's to to us it's about the comics and the writers and the artists. Yeah. But like like more, there was I want to say like probably more than half of that crowd was there to meet Hayden Christensen, and yeah, and people that are in movies that are made by artists and writers that 
it started in the comics, and it's like bupkis to them, man. It's like, like, I, I really can't fault them for it. I mean, it's, I mean, yeah, I mean, people, people are gonna be there for their own things, man. Like, they, they are. If they are. Uh, you know, there was a year John Moxley showed up. I think Colorado Springs Comic Con. You know, guys like us would be like, oh yeah, we're definitely gonna see Mox. You know, mm -hmm. but freaking. To some people, he's just a grungy looking dude just hanging out, you know, taking a couple pictures with people. Yeah. Like, you know, there's, you know, there's certain, certain things people are into. Uh, my pharmacy manager actually went to Comic-Con and she was there just to, to buy stuff. She ended up buying like some board games and uh, I think like a mystery box or something. And that's just, you know, that's what she's into. I'm, I'm glad. Cool. I'm, I'm glad. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not hating. It's just, it, it's more of like the history major in me. Uh, not that I major in history. I'm talking about like someone that is so invested in history that you're, mm -hmm. you're going to walk past the people that made, that created it to go to the people that like pretended to be it. Like, yeah. Like the, the, the lack of uh, knowledge or interest in like the true blue, in my opinion, it, it, it definitely irks me. But like I, like you said, uh, to each their own, freaking go do what you got to do. Have a great time. Do your great cosplay. Have, you know, meet up with your pals. I mean, that's what it's all about. It just, we had a different mission. Yeah. No, we definitely, we definitely had stuff we were, we're looking for. You know, um, you know, after we were, like I said, we were, we saw Mr. Kewert and he was awesome. Got our stuff signed. Freaking, you know, we had some time to kill before, uh, Mark Silvestri was back. So we ended up, you know, going and search for comic books, which like you said, was, a uh, more difficult than we'd initially anticipated. Definitely didn't expect to be wandering around so long before finding actual, comic book dealers yeah there's a lot of garbage there man like blankets and bs jewelry and like it, like i wouldn't even pay attention to those guys if they were at the flea market yeah well i mean you're not wrong man freaking brilliant like again it all comes down to certain you know people are into certain things yeah freaking they might they might have been they might have made a killing that night just because freaking I hope they did. They had enough people that did care. I I, I hope they did. Uh, I just uh, I'm just you're walking past history, and that's that's <laughs> just uh, I I have a difficulty abiding on that one. But no, no, I got gotcha. you. But yeah, no, we were you know we were able to find the dealers eventually, which is awesome. You know, right off of like the first guy I went to ended up having like three issues of the uh my iron man run i was looking for he actually had five but i'd already committed to buying a few issues from my my uh my local guy my iron my iron man dealer yes sir so uh, i was able to get three issues off of that freaking uh and i actually was able to find a world's finest a 111 which is actually the first appearance of clock kid dude i popped for that that was and i was so proud of you for that that's awesome yeah, uh, and that's that's another book that not a lot of people know about. The only real reason I looked into it was because I happened to be uh, watching Batman the Animated Series with my son a few weeks back. Nice. And we happened to that happened to be the episode we chose. It's one of the best ones there and, is. Yeah, and freaking, I was like, I wonder what his first appearance is. 
and I made sure to uh, redo my list. I'm actually on list four for the year, and I made sure to add on World's Finest 111. Just in case, because I want to do a special Comic Con list and get my list all, you know, crunched down. Did you open it up and see what he looked like? Because uh, we were talking about it on the way back. Like, what did he look like? <laughs> like, I don't. I just I actually haven't it. yet. I need to. I need to open it up. We actually don't have it here on me at the moment. Pull it up. Real but quick. um, yeah. Friggin', I was like, I found that one because I was actually looking for another one. Uh, I was looking for Secret Origins of Super Villains Giant Size Number One because it has a, a random. B maybe C grade villain first appearance in Johnny Sorrow, and I was like I was looking for that one because I found it at a local shop, and had I passed it over, but it was on it was on like five bucks, and I actually ended up grabbing that one today because I was like ah it wasn't at the con I got to get it, so freaking able to find that one as well, but yeah by the time that first freaking first one was done. I was able to knock off one of my, you know, one big book, one key book I was looking for, and several, uh, several books for my, uh, my Iron Man run. I was pretty pleased already, man. Like closing so many like Dawn books, including mm -hmm. a couple I didn't know, which heightened my. What am I missing? Because there's some of those books, like I said, weren't on any lists, and uh, so I was pretty pleased on that one. And I was just, uh, I was pretty hyper focused on making memories on that day, man. Yeah, no, definitely, man. Like I said, we ended up, you know, like I said, going back, grabbing some good books. Freaking, ended up, you know, one of the dealers had like a little, like a little five dollar booth, like all his books were five bucks a pop, and I was able to, what did, what did I found? I found uh, Marvel Age number 12, which is like the second or third appearance of Iron Maiden, um, who was Natasha Romanoff's Black Widow's mom in the Black Widow movie. Right. And I had the first two. I had 10 and 11 already, so I picked up 12 to complete that little trilogy there. And while I was looking for that, I was actually able to find that book you were looking for, that Mark Silvestri book. Yes, sir. And I was much appreciated. And because of that, also, it, I was able to, in hit the same bin there, I was able to get uh, almost all of the Weapon X's I was missing. I got two more I need. Awesome. Two more. I got, uh, the ones I got were uh, 81. No, I got, eight, no, I got... 82, 83, and 84. Oh, nice. Okay. And they were in great condition, man. They were, for the price, yeah. I, I, it it kind of pains me. I mean, I'm glad they were in such, like, good condition, but mm -hmm. it kind of pained me. I feel like there, there were no fingerprints on this. That Like, I don't think these were ever opened. Oh, yeah. I can see that. Yeah, so they got a good home now. Nice. Yes. Oh, spine ticks in no time. Is there? No, actually, yeah, I opened Like, that's one of the first things I did when I got home was, like, uh, read the last 81 through the uh, 84 because it was just nice to have them. Check out the ads. Mm -hmm. uh, what was some, like, there was something in one of these. Freaking, let's see, 83. We've got Great Firestar Story against Spiral, uh, Hawkeye Story. Ads for what do we got here? 
Not too many. It's funny, these books that, like... I remember seeing Marvel Comics Presents when I was a kid. And then mm-hmm. it didn't matter because it wasn't an X-Book. And yeah. What a mistake, man. That's one of our cardinal rules, man. You gotta... Doesn't always happen in a number one or in an X book. Yeah, well, that's the thing, man. You know, back in the day, it was all, you know, Spider Man, X Men were the big things, and then I was pretty decently into the twenty ninety nine run when that was going on. Um, but yeah, those were those were the big books back in the day. You know, every now and again, you might pick up like like me personally, I pick up a Batman book here and there. But like never really dug too far into it. Now I'm like, man, if I'd a if I'd have gone into some of those other books back then, I'd been freaking not spending the money I'm spending now. Agreed. But hey, it happens. We learned our lesson. Yeah. That's why we always hit. But yeah. Up. No. Going back to that uh, Sylvester book, you want to pop up now? Which one you ended up getting for him to sign, or you want to wait till we actually talk about Sylvester? We gotta wait till we get to Sylvester because that's actually. Uh, should we ha- should we hold the highlight off until the end? Uh, I was gonna tell I was gonna talk about it once we got back there because that was pretty much yeah no I think that was yeah yeah no I'm trying to think if that was before or after I freaking made my big purchase no it was before we it got before. To, you, you made your big purchase before Sylvester so go ahead and open up the, okay. the box. Yeah, no, we ended up going to, uh, we ended up finding another dealer that had uh, quite a few Silver Age books. I kind of started toying around with them, and I found an X-Men 50, which that, like, one of the best X-Men covers of all time, that one with Polaris on it. And I was like, I was, they had it for actually a, a really, really good price. But I was, like, kind of toying around with that one, and then I found, uh, I had found a Batman 155 for, uh, it was just the first Silver Age appearance of Penguin. And that was another book I was like, I really, really wanted. But I freaking had to think about it for a second because I was like, I didn't, I don't have the money for that one. Because I think they wanted about 400, which is more because I, you know, made it a point for a couple of reasons. You always, you know, when you're doing cons, you always want to bring cash on you. Yep. For, for two big reasons. One, it's a lot easier to, you know, haggle with dealers when you have cash. And the second thing is you also know your limit. That way you don't overspend. Correct. And freaking, that's one of the, you know, probably as far as cons go, it's my cardinal rule. That and bring enough water and food to get through the day, which would have, would have helped us out. Quite a bit. You, you, still know, had, had, you still had the mad hookup with some water bottles and some granola bars. That was much appreciated. Yeah, I, I had the water bottles for sure. I definitely should have packed more than granola uh, bars upon further review. Next time but I'm bringing bean I, burritos. We're sneaking in some bean burritos. No, no, that's a horrible <laughs> idea. Jesus. No one will know it's us. It's too packed. No, that's a, no. then we'll spend more time in the bathroom than we'll the con. <laughs> No, that's what. That's later. Like obviously, Ugh. obviously, you don't know the no. mathematical science when it comes to bean burritos. No, that's it, a horrible. Idea. It's a twelve-hour thing. No. Not not when you're in your forties. <laughs> All right, so no no bean burritos. It, it could be twelve hours or it could be twelve minutes. I'll figure it out for next year. Yeah, you got, got dude, next year. We got freaking Colorado Springs Comic Con in two months. 
Not even. A clock is ticking. But uh, nonetheless, freaking. So I was looking at those books, and I, I I didn't have I didn't have as much loose money as I wanted for the 155. Is what it is. But uh, I was debating getting the the X Men 50, Uncanny X Men 50. And then I look over, and I was like, "Can I take a look at that book?" And I asked the price of that book, and it was actually within. I didn't expect it to be in my budget, but turned out it actually was. And I was like, I was thinking between the two books. I couldn't get both of them as much as I would have liked to. Actually, if I'd have if I had stopped buying right then and there, I could have got both of them. But is what it is. But why I didn't definitely... you ask him? Why didn't you ask him for a deal for both? We've done that many times. I don't know. I just didn't. I was too busy thinking. I couldn't believe I had that in my hand for that price. Yeah, there was. But it was definitely like one of those like a, a lot of people like there's road rage incidents. The reason why because you're driving and a, a you're not gonna bump into somebody accidentally and freak out like you would if like someone cut you off because you're driving and you're going mm -hmm. 60 miles an hour or 100 or 80 you're a heightened state of uh existence emotion thought and uh not everything really computes so yeah i can i can see why like we didn't even think of freaking bargaining yeah no i probably could have in all honesty upon further review but nonetheless you know happy with my choice but uh, it was actually on my list of the top five books I wanted for 2023. It actually rounds out my list. It was my big book. But I did pick up The X-Men number 12, first appearance of Juggernaut. Beautiful. So I was actually more than happy. When I read thought about it, I was like, if I, you know, I may not get a chance to get this book at this price again so freaking took my shot pulled out my wallet and we were good to go 100 percent. and then it was time to meet sylvestri which actually came out to like really serendipitous because the reception there despite how many bars you were like when we got there it was like what 20 minutes into it he's like you text chat i'm like oh crap i forgot uh texted chat ah. that we were on a way to meet sylvestri about an hour before we actually got to Sylvestri. And mm -hmm. right before we got there was when he actually got the message. And when we were in line, freaking, uh, that's when he showed up. So we got to see him and uh, Chad Jr. there. Uh, always great to see Mr. Chad, one of uh, best friends of mine, Fields. Uh, L -E and, and, and El Ejo del Chad. El Ejo de Chad. That's correct. Yep. Freaking, it, he's he's one of the best guys, man. I've known him for almost, uh, wow, like going on, uh, I think I've known him for Six almost, months. <laughs> actually 10 years now, now that I think about it. I think I've oh, known geez. him for either 10 or 9 years now. Uh, one of the great guys, awesome. uh, he'll always hook you up. He's always got his uh, best pal's interest in mine, and uh, it was good to see him. And Eho Dale Chad. Yeah. But yeah, nah, man. For you, it was good to catch up with Chad. And, you know, we ended up talking, talking mess. He'd actually had a three-day pass instead of our measly one-day pass, which you know we it's not made a the most of it. Not a measly. <laughs> not a measly. No, we we make the most out of everything. We're just efficient. <laughs> yeah, we're just efficient. I didn't. We wanted and got out. Yeah. 
Got in, got out, but uh, while we were talking to Mr. Chad, and if you don't mind me taking a point on this one, like, I keep yeah. looking over because this line to meet Silvestri, and it's, we're crossing, like, three other people's lines. Like, like mm-hmm. it's like these guys didn't matter, and, like, I kind of felt bad for these people because, like, we're, we're, we're in front of one of the guys that does, like, the, the coverage for, like, uh, Something's Killing the Children, the variants, and I kind of felt bad for him because, like, he, he looked really shy. Like, we pass all these vendors, and, like, I, I always make a point to not make eye contact with any of the vendors because then they say hi to you, and I don't want any of your crap, and i got to say hello and then walk away, and I feel bad. <laughs> but yeah. uh, it, there's that gentleman, but then there's a very animated gentleman that's talking to another guy in front of us, and I'm like, who is this guy? And he, he just seemed real cool. Like, he, he was really yeah. excited to meet and talk to the guy that was, like, directly in front of me. And I, I keep looking at the books he has for sale, and I see The Flash, I see Green Lantern, and I look at his name, Jeremy Adams, I'm like, I don't know that name, I don't know that name, and I zoom in on, on one of the Flash issues. And mm-hmm. uh, for all you newcomers, on the covers of any comic books, the first last name you see is the writer. The writer's last name is always the first one. The second last name mm-hmm. is the artist. And on one of the uh, newer, not like brand new issues of Flash, I see Adams, and I'm I'm waiting. I'm talking to Chad, talking to you, but I'm waiting for this guy to stop talking to Mr. Adams. And uh, the second I got the chance, I you know double dutched my way in. I was like, "Excuse me, sir." And I, I was like really thinking about it, man, because like I didn't I didn't want to like come off as like someone that didn't know, but at the same time didn't want to be rude. And I remember very specific landing landing on, "Excuse me, sir. Uh, I don't want to uh, I don't want to sound ignorant." But are you the gentleman that's been writing The Flash for the past two and a half years? He's like, yeah, that's me. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, we were talking about you on the way here. Like, like we're talking about The Flash. Uh, like, like, and then and then next thing I know, you like, like, you're not a pushy guy. But, like, you, you just, like, nice to meet you. <laughs> like, we, like. I think I took his hand, like, seven times. So like, like yeah, both of us did. Like, it was immediate mark out. Like, there was no yeah. hiding in. <laughs> like, in a. Well, yeah. Like, we were on the train and we are talking about how uh, both Nightwing and The Flash, like, really hadn't. Like, they're some of the best books currently being written. And, but yet they have no, like, there's no huge megalo on top of everybody's supervillain. Like, Batman's got the Joker. Superman's got Lex Luthor. Freaking Spider-Man's got, like, three or four guys, because I always think it's Venom, and it should be Venom, but everyone always thinks it's Green Goblin. Yeah, and Adam's But there's always, Captain like, that Cold big supervillain. Yeah. And, like, like, Cap- like, he's got such a barrage of guys that, like, no... Like, Captain Cold, I guess, technically would count, but he's part of the rogues. Which is awesome. But like, you know, there's the freaking, there's the rogues, there's freaking Gorilla Grodd, there's Tar Pit, there's Girder, you know, and freaking half the people listening to this probably don't even know who I'm talking about, but they're freaking... A lot of cool silver, bronze age guys that are ridiculous, and he's yeah. passing them off like they're, they're golden. Yeah, and then let alone the fact that this is the guy that came up with Omega Bam Man. Omega Bam Man. That was like the first thing <laughs> that we started talking about, man. And he's like, oh my god, yeah. And I'm like, he, he was like, he was animated. Like, you ever seen a Quentin Tarantino interview? No. Like, okay, so like, here's what happens. The bad guy comes in and this happens and he's like just talking with his hands. And this guy's mm-hmm. all over the place and I'm just loving yeah. every minute of it because like, 
he's excited to meet us. And yeah. And it didn't feel like he was faking it or he just knew the rules. Act like you're there, excited to meet them. He was legit mm-hmm. excited to meet us. And yeah. well, we talked to about wrestling for about five, six minutes, or it might have been thirty seconds, but like, <laughs> no, it was definitely it was definitely five or six minutes. I can't just can't just keep shaking his hand the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> unless you are the Flash. But yeah, no, I mean it's it's an amazing book, and freaking, you know, getting and I, like I'd seen it on there, but like my big like we've talked about this off screen, we've talked about it on screen. We both but, have like, our I, own I, I, I'm a guy that I enjoy the books. I don't. I, unless you're like a Jim Lee or a McFarlane or like the, the, the top tier mega guys, I'm not going to know your name. Like, it's just, I, not, I'm not going to say I don't care, but I don't think about it. No, and, and, and like I said, we have our own strengths. And I like, yeah. that's one thing I do pay attention to. I'm like, Adams, Adams, how do I know that? How do I know that? And I'm like, I'm, I'm looking at everything to try to like connect things. And then when it like, ding, and I'm like, oh man, <laughs> like, like yeah. we're about to accidentally. He, he literally meet. writes one of my favorite books. Yeah. And yeah, we we talked about wrestling. We talked about putting the, the flash, flash over, and then he tells us the most devastating news. But we were such on such a high to meet him, like, like that DC took him off the Flash, and like, like I didn't even realize he was the one that's been writing Green Lantern, which yeah. we we've, we've enjoyed. Like we've covered both issues. I, I haven't read it yet. Actually, I haven't read. I'm gonna pick it. I'm gonna pick it up with freaking the uh, you know the dark night or the night terrors. I'll give it. I'll give it a go. Yeah, yeah well, man. Freaking. I haven't. I haven't read any. But yeah, I, I, you know, like I said, Flash has been my favorite book. You know, Flash, it's been Flash and it's been Nightwing that have been like our go tos every month. Yeah, there's no question whether or not we're gonna talk about Flash or, or Nightwing. Like, like we've mm-hmm. discussed some books that were good. And no, we'll go ahead and leave that off the off the table because there's some more important yeah. ones but we never fall asleep on yeah. flash or nightwing and uh yeah and i i put those i mean i put those over freaking the batman books since freaking tinian left 100 percent. that's no question you know, and I, yeah and that's you know i i you know it's just been a different beast and it hasn't been what it was you know we've, we've talked about that at length at ad nauseum mm-hmm. but uh you know here we are like we're in line to meet one guy and we end up dumble messing ourselves into freaking an even cooler guy and freaking the first thing i did was made sure hey i want the you know he had like one copy i think flash 770 or something like that and i was like i would like this autograph please sir yeah we we, we were we were just like still talking to him and like one hand goes over this is the one we want and put it down and like we're still talking to him looking making eye contact and I yeah. see the girl looking at me. I put it down, and I'm like taking my debit card out, handing it to her, and still not looking at her. She because it's ten bucks for the signature. I don't yeah. care. It was twenty for the mm-hmm. book, and that's actually my next. Uh, what's in the box? It's uh, actually on the wall. I gotta grab it real quick. But uh, Mr. Jeremy Adams signed my variant cover, Donna DC Green Lantern number one. Awesome, loving it. It, it straight on the wall man it's like I, I i put these things most of all the good signs on the wall like when i got home oh that's great <laughs> well yeah man no, he ended up being a, a joy to talk to i ended up finding him on uh instagram so freaking I found him on twitter yeah but yeah no dude just uh 
gotta say it for it's just so funny that we kind of stumbled upon this dude and for he ended up kind of being the highlight of the whole trip for us he was 100 percent the highlight of the of the whole trip man and i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna take credit for the kismet on that just for bumping into stuff when i start smelling something um because something was i'm sure up. he showered <laughs> no i was sensing something yeah he and for you mind feels out there he smelled like very pleasant <laughs> i'm sure it was old spice or some other really cool cologne that someone is awesome enough to write the frickin' Flash for the past two and a half years would wear. I yeah. mean, he's telling us about his other achievements, and we're like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh, let's talk about the Flash more. <laughs> like, Supernatural, yeah. great. Uh, yeah, uh, Flash. <laughs> yeah, no, he was, yeah, he kind of gave us a, gave us quite a bit of insight, actually, for, you know, for like a five, ten minute conversation. Yeah. So, like, that was, that was awesome, freaking kind of. Not gonna lie, I kind of hope to get a chance to talk to him again at some point. Yeah, we'll 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 make that happen. It like it, it was like so distracting to talk to him. The girl that knew I wasn't the Sylvester's Wrangler was tapping him on mm-hmm. the shoulder like, "Hey, didn't you want to meet Sylvester?" I'm like, "Yeah, hold on a second. <laughs> like, yeah, we'll get back to that. Yeah, well, we'll get back to that. Like we're we're a little busy here at the moment. She was cool. The line's uh, not moving anyway at this point. Yeah, <laughs> there were people in line, but people were definitely." Taking advantage of their fifteen seconds with uh with Sylvester. Well, one of the so. one of the things that I, I really want, and I hope uh, anyone that is an up and comer, you know, superstar writer or just someone that makes a good book or artist, this man knew how to treat his fans. Like yeah, he he saw we were caught completely off guard. He saw two grown men marking out. It's kind of one of the reasons why I didn't wear a comic book shirt because I didn't want to look like a mark. But there I am, <laughs> like. Um, but there I am, and he, he absolutely understood that it was important to us, and that the little bit of time that we had allotted with him was special, and he made yeah. it. He made it. He made it worth our while. I mean, it, he was talking to us the way that I would imagine someone would talk to someone they know they're gonna buy something. Like he didn't sucker us into buying anything. Like we already yeah. had, we already had those books, but freaking. Mm-hmm. Um, but we didn't have them autographed. No, we did not, and no one. Now take, we do. Now we do, but no one can take the meeting away, and yeah. that, that's how you treat your fans. That's how you treat people that you know put some you know the bread the butter on your bread, and uh, he told us you know about like where where you know the majority comes from being a freelancer, um, dealing with uh, in in it. It made me, not that it's a sore subject anymore, but it eased something that didn't hurt anymore, even more. Like, after New Era, he's talking about getting taken off the Flash, but he wasn't like, oh man, it sucks. He wasn't like, screw these guys. Uh, No, he's like, no, I'm on Green Lantern. And I'm talking to Jeff Johns! I've got Jeff Johns calling me like, you can do it! And I'm like... Yeah, you can. <laughs> like you can. Cuz like <laughs> like if like and that's super important because like Jeff Johns is like he's he's you can't think about Green Lantern when it comes to comics in the last 15 years and not think about Green Lantern Jeff Johns like they're yeah. interchangeable. Well, the guy that doesn't read Green Lantern, I know that. Yeah. And uh it was time for him to go. He shook her hands for the 19th time and uh 
it was great. Like, it, it was funny. Like, I, I remember feeling my heart, like, slow down as we finally get to Sylvester to go, yeah, hey, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was not nearly the, uh, the conversation we had with freaking Jeremy Adams that we had with Mark Sylvester. It was, it was nice. It was, it was pleasant. He was great. But, like, it was kind of like, okay, you know, we got to gotta keep this brief because, you know, obviously there's a line behind us. Yeah, there's a line behind us. And it, it was really nice that I, I wish more people had been in line to meet Mr. Adams. But, um, you know, we're about to meet a godfather here. And, yeah, it, like, that was like a super brief moment. You know, Mr. Silvestri, you know, thank you. And uh, this is, uh, I'm going to be freaking buried with this. But um, the book in question that we've kept you in so much suspense for was uh, Wolverine issue number 50. And my conversation with Mr. Silvestri was like, this was and is one of my favorite comic books of all time. I know it practically by heart. Um, it's it's one of those books that I got. My my dad actually bought, bought the 50 for me. And... Um, mm-hmm. You know, you're a kid, you don't have all the money to buy comics like we do now. And you reread, you know, the small box that you got. You got the, the, the shorter short box. And uh, yeah, you just love comics. I've read this one so many times. It's so special to me. And having him sign it for me and, you know, just really just solidifying the, the validity of something that mattered so much. I mean, they, they obviously Shiva isn't in any of the movies yet or... Mm-hmm. any of like the full-blown backstory for weapon x completely um but yeah this means so much to me man this is it's so beautiful like uh, i actually uh fell asleep reading this that night just rereading it what'd you get sorry so romantic <laughs> no, i got i ended up getting deadly duo number two signed by him which is one of the ones i picked up at uh at all c's so it was, it was awesome. Freaking, you know, I didn't. I probably, you know, upon further review, I definitely kind of wish I'd uh, looked up some particular books and like pulled them out of my collection for, for Hubert and for him to sign. We were so on the jazz that we passed Steve McNiven <laughs> before we got to Silvestri. Like he was, yeah. he was right after Mr. Adams, and I was like, no, no, like. It's not that feeling, like, I don't want to be greedy, but it was one of those, like, you know, he's cool, I want to meet Silvestri, but honestly, I kind of wanted to go and take a breather, because that was a lot. Yeah. No, it was awesome, man, freaking getting to, getting to BS with Jeremy Adams was awesome, and Silvestri was definitely a pleasure. You know, freaking, you know, definitely knocked some uh, big names off the books as far as getting comics signed, so that was awesome. Got some pictures with them. Yeah, good stuff. We went and chilled out. Uh, what did we do after that, man? Kind of, it was kind of a little bit of blur after I that. I think we kind of we were, we were pretty ready to head. I think we just hung out maybe another half hour, 40 minutes. I ended up getting my wife a, uh, a picture of Baby Groot. She wanted some Guardians of the Galaxy merch. That artist was great. Yeah, he's a super cool guy. I ended up getting, a, like I said, a Baby Groot picture and a, a, a protector for it. And then I ended up finding my son a... Uh, those little fluffy dolls. Uh, uh, yeah, one of the plush. It was a plush, but it was um, Five Nights at Freddy's plush. He's got a little collection of like 50 of them. 
I ended up having to look it up online later to find out which one it was. It was a like a foxy mangle, I think was what it was called. Yeah. So one day those would be worth money. In hindsight, we spent like barely three hours there. We left at six. Yeah. We left at six. We got back to the car at like what, like after eight. That was it was after eight. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it was like seven thirty ish because like we stopped in Castle Rock a little after eight, got some food. Finally got some freaking food, man. Yeah, because that's that's the thing we didn't plan properly. Is freaking because we had we had a plan to get food when we got to, before we got to the uh, the train and freaking it just it just didn't end up happening. It didn't. No, we we were on a mission, man. We had the plan, food food, you know could have waited like we had other things to do and i wasn't gonna buy no friggin 25 dollar bs burger one slice of pizza there and wait in line for 30 minutes yeah. to get it yeah and freaking so i mean definitely gotta plan accordingly get some sandwiches or something going for uh colorado springs comic-con coming up here in august i think yeah it's, it's a little august a little late august mid to late august you got uh you did pick up for something Elvira. Uh, I saw that. It's a gorgeous cover. I'm actually I'm gonna find that one for myself. That was gorgeous. Oh yeah, number yeah. It's uh, number two of the newest set. Got that at all seas as well. Which they and and another place that we don't have subscriptions to that they gave us the freaking um uh discount. Yeah, but no, that one, that one was discounted. That, like I said, all the back issues were fifty percent off. So. Yep, but they still gave us a discount on that. On top of that, and uh, they always hook us up with a bag and board to make sure they don't get damaged. Yeah, that is true. That's a big That's deal. It's a nice little. That is a big deal. But yeah, no, nah, man, freaking ended up making it out there and you know having a heck of a time, having a having a whole experience as opposed to just doing the con. Had an adventure, saw a guy get arrested. <laughs> got some, got a, got a metric crap ton of back issues. Freaking, I think I knocked a good twenty or thirty back issues off my, uh, off my communal list. They definitely got a few. Like I said, three Iron Mans, a good freaking twelve detectives, and probably between the two series is probably a good ten to fifteen Green Arrows. No, that's awesome. That definitely, uh, definitely made the most most of our time there. It definitely kind of, you know, went hard in the paint, as the kids say. Yeah, we totally went hard in the paint. We only did that for three hours, but freaking, I remember getting to the car and just like thinking, like, okay, we're not around like the general public People. right now, and freaking <laughs> someone that might malfunction, man. And I uh, got some good food on the way back, planned out tonight. Man, I was yeah. probably I was probably ended up stopping at Culver's. I can't remember. I remember last time I ate at Culver's. Jeez, that was a good idea. And it was good. Freaking little sad. I didn't get my mushrooms and my mushroom Swiss burger. But other than that, I can't complain. It was just a good day. Oh. Yeah, man, got some good books. Freaking knocked off. I'd say one Grail and one other key. So I can't complain at all. Yeah, no, I, I I got some grills. I know they're just some rinky dink dawn books, but you know how much I mark out for freaking those indie books that are just on that like real special list. Um, yeah, you like a cute redhead. 
I remember Brandon was like, man, I, I think I have like a Dawn action figure. No, you don't. I bought it. <laughs> I bought it here last time. Um, yeah. You can that see it right there. Right. It's uh, <laughs> right there behind me. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, um, the hunt abided. Oh, yeah. No, the hunt was definitely uh, more successful than I had planned. Like I said, I I planned for one big, one good-sized book, and I got it. And I actually ended up getting a bigger book than I thought I would. So We met some Godfathers, the Chad. Yeah. You know, definitely gotta gotta bring Chad on board at some point. Freaking got to, got some plans in the works as far as that goes. We've discussed hundred percent. Another other plan we got worked out with a owner of a local shop that's taking a chance on a indie fed of a podcast about comics and wrestling. Well, that that's all I have for that day, man. I just I, I was probably asleep like maybe like forty five minutes after we got home. I put. My nice stuff on the wall, red web, uh, not Weapon X, but well, it's kind of Weapon X, I mean, issue 50. But, um, mm-hmm. slept like a baby, man. Yeah, no, I think I ended up, I guess I ended up staying up a couple hours, kind of taking in the whole experience. But it was, you know, it was good, man. Freaking, you don't get too many. Like I said, you get like, you know, opportunity like that, like pretty much once a year, unless you're like traveling to cons and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, we got Denver down, we got Colorado Springs Comic Con in a couple of months, and go from there. Yes, sir. You want to get into wrestling and take a break? Uh, yeah, let's take a break for a minute, we'll get back and come back and do some wrestling. Cool. Guys, we're back after a little quick little 30 second break. Had a good little snack and... I had to hear a word from our sponsors. Yep. Hit the little hero's room. That's terrible. I'll figure something better out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have to call something on right. Yeah, uh, wrestling. Uh, AW tonight. Um, I had a blast watching it. There was one freaking match that like kind of drove me nuts. Um, before we do that, though, I have not caught up on Impact. Tell me <laughs> how Courtney Rush is doing. Actually, I, I'm like two weeks behind on it myself right now. I've been freaking busy with life. But she's back. And I just, she is I, back. I love that Miss Holly is running wild with all her great gimmicks. and I love she Courtney Rush. Corey, Courtney and Jessica's Sick Adventure. Are they actually calling it that? Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty. They got a shirt and everything. They're on a phone booth. Well, AW, man, uh, I always have more of my nose for production because I'm just freaking obsessed with it. I remember watching tonight and I was just and thinking about it when we were actually at AW. It was like, I was more like obsessed with all the details about the production, where the cameras were and where the cameramen were and lighting and all that good stuff, graphics. But um, mm-hmm. uh, opening match, Darby Allen. Orange Cassidy versus Keith Lee and what's the other gentleman's name? Swerve Strickland. <laughs> so Shane much fun. Swerve Strickland. So much fun, man. Yeah, it was it was a good match, man. Freaking whole thing is that they're doing a uh, uh, I don't remember they're they're calling it the Blind Partner Tournament or something along those lines, but it's basically WCW's Lethal Lottery from uh, 1990, if I remember correctly, where they. Uh, they basically put your name in a tumbler and are you pulling names out of a tumbler and those are your partners and 
We go in there, you know, part people that don't normally team up, team up. And, uh, you know, we had Shane Strickland and Keith Lee, who apparently have been feuding for eight months since their tag team breakup and have yet to have one singles match. Not even a pay-per-view singles match. They haven't had one singles match yet in eight months of feuding. So what you're telling me is that they're acting like WCW. They just, it, it's, if, if they don't care, they don't care. That's basically what I'm saying. Freaking, this is, this is, this is a storyline with two tremendous wrestlers who could have amazing matches together and they're just not doing it. Yeah, we were talking about this one on our way back uh, from the con about the, well, not to miss a pun, but what's going on in Mr. Khan's head? Yeah, it's, uh, some things just don't, like, they've got a bunch of stuff that they're just kind of let, letting hang, and, I mean, that that definitely is going to happen from time to time. Sometimes stuff gets dropped or stuff gets forgotten, and sometimes stuff just gets blatantly ignored because it should be, I mean, there, there might be stuff behind the scenes that has kind of prolonged it, but like eight months without one singles match, which means you've gone through probably three pay-per-view cycles and there's been no forward momentum with this. And there, there, there just should have been friggin' like, there's not a lot else that you, I mean, you've got some stuff going on, but some of it's really good and some of it's not. The lights went out for a second and I was about to get real chafed and like ruin my high from that awesome match thinking that they were, you know, Sting was going to show up for some random reason, but luckily he didn't. Uh, Jungle Boy as a heel, he just, I remember thinking like, uh, what was it? He just looks like a poser as a heel. I had to use a dated he's, 90s term. He's not good at it. Like, and I'm not saying he can't grow into it, but like, he he's he's miscast. There's there's no real reason for him to be a heel. Like, why? Like, he's one of your most over baby faces. You know, they did the whole thing with him and Christian, where he finally beat Christian after waiting again for months. Though that one was due to uh, Christian having a, a an injury, I believe it was with his arm, maybe his tricep, but um. They ended up ending it in a great casket match at one of the last pay-per-views. And they kind of didn't really do much with them in that sense. They had them do the whole thing with the Four Pillars match, which some people will say is a, a tremendous match, and some people won't. Um, it's kind of it's you know up to interpretation. But uh, other than that, he, he turned heel and hook at the last pay-per-view. And... Like there's there's a there's like a sliver of a good idea there, but it's it doesn't make sense when freaking his former tag team partner and his former mentor have gone forward and won, you know, a a decently prestigious title, and he's beaten both of them, but then he turned heel. Instead of going with the obvious story of going after that belt, which since the beginning of the year has been his storyline that he wanted to get singles gold. Correct. 
And instead, he is focusing on a title that is not recognized by the organization he works for. And it kind of seems like it was haphazardly thrown together instead of the obvious history he has with Christian and Luchasaurus. There's got to be some weird stuff backstage, man. There's got to yeah, maybe maybe so maybe no. That's that's the thing. It's freaking you know we're not we're not privy to that information. It's kind of all. I don't know if I'd want it. You know. I feel like it if just, we knew, just. I feel like if we knew everything backstage, we would hate AEW. Yeah, maybe so. But that's that's the thing. It's just a lot of it doesn't doesn't make sense. Like you know, I've been, I don't even I don't mind Orange Cassidy as a wrestler, but I don't get the fact that the guy with the slacker gimmick is has the biggest win loss the best win loss record in your organization and is your longest reigning most consistent champion it just it like it's it's not it's it's not great i don't like i get using him if he's you know popular and if that's if that's your thing that's your thing i think you're you're a fan of him i dig him and like I don't think, yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I don't, I don't understand why he's winning more than other guys that, you know, in the pecking order should make more sense because there should be a pecking order. Like there's your, your, you know, your, you know, opening match guys, there's your mid card guys, there's your lower mid card guys, and there's your main event guys. And there should be a pecking order with that. And you should, you should have to earn those, those spots. And if you don't, then, like, why would the crowd get behind you? Right. Now, one of the other points you brought up, especially, um, there's been a point of contention since it happened, but the difference between collision and dynamite. Okay. You've got a lot of, I don't want to say, like, gripes or irks about it. It's just, it's more of, like, the booker in you that's, you know, confused because it just doesn't make any sense. And I can, it makes 100% sense the way you're presenting it. But when it comes to comparing dynamite to collision, what's the difference? Well, there's definitely, there's definitely a different, it's, it's two different shows. Like the presentation is, the presentation on collision seems more focused. They seem to be pushing guys in a substantially better way. Like, in three weeks, Ricky Starks has seemed like more of a main event guy than he has in his entire previous two and a half, three years in AEW. More than when they were pushing him against Cody? Oh, much much more. He didn't really they didn't push him against Cody. He had one match with Cody when he started. Yeah, but they had Because that was in the old open challenge thing. But, um, but yeah, I mean, they, they've solidified Bullet Club Gold as a legitimate threat to the tag titles while all they were doing beforehand was losing to Ricky Starks. Like, they man-evented the show we were at, uh, Jay White and Ricky Starks. We can't wait and it took, it, it took them and the gold and the, uh, the gun club to beat Ricky Starks. And it doesn't make sense in the... Like, Jay White coming in should be a big deal. He's a former New Japan World Champion. He's traveled the world. He was leader of Bullet Club. Like he's a big deal, big time. And he comes in and he's in a mid card feud. 
One of the top stars Why? in progress. Yeah, he he doesn't. They they made a point to be like this guy's. He's he's good, but he's not great. And freaking and why, you know? And in three weeks on Collision, he or he's main evented two shows, and he's won matches. And freaking, you know, I know for a fact you're a big Juice Robinson fan. Mm-hmm. What has Juice done while he's been in AEW? Cut his hair. Yeah. But again, on Collision, they're being pushed as a main event act, and it's working because they should be a threat to titles. They should be winning matches. And you know, even though he did lose this week to Ricky Starks in the uh, Owen Hart qualifier, the week beforehand, they were the first people to beat CM Punk in any type of match. And that's a big deal because beating Punk should matter. Speak. It's the same thing with beating Moxley. It's it's to some guys it's better than winning a world title because it it just being in there when he when he loses adds credibility to you as a wrestler. Where do you it think adds credibility to the audience? Where do you think they're going with uh, Moxley trying to get um, Kingston's attention? Because it seems a little odd to me that like Moxley would be the guy that's making the phone call or asking for the phone call no i mean it's it's is you know they're doing a whole buddy buddy thing with you know they were friends they're not friends anymore because of uh ubiquitous third party which is claudio castagnoli and eddie you know the whole storyline is basically eddie won't let stuff go and while eddie's not necessarily wrong it it leads to a like it works with kingston but it shows a much bigger problem in AEW is that they seem to think that all their fans follow indie wrestling. Mm -hmm. And they don't. No. If you're a national TV show, not everyone's going to know what the heck you're talking about when you're talking about Darby Allen and freaking Shane Strickland feuding and defy wrestling. Or if they're talking about freaking... Eddie Kingston and Claudio Castagnoli feuding in Chikara. Maybe 8% of this audience knows, have seen those matches. How many do you think even knew that uh, Eddie won the, he won the Neverweight the other day? I didn't until I showed it on the show. Yeah. I'm a bad New Japan you know, and that's, fan. That's, that's cool. He won the, I think that's the New Japan Strong Never Openweight title. And that's awesome for him, and it it's a big deal because you know they put they've said it they made it a point to be like you know Eddie Kingston's in the G one this year, so he's not going to be in the Blood and Guts match, and that's that's a huge thing for Kingston. It might be one of the biggest things he's wanted to do in his career. But you know we need to know that like you need to explain to the common denominator what that means, because you say G, you you say G one climax on the street. People aren't thinking about wrestling. People like nine tenths, probably you know maybe ninety eight people out of a hundred don't know what that means. And the two that do are probably us, right? You know they they put a lot of AEW puts a lot of stock in that you are following these people like prior to their careers in AEW, and that's not necessarily the truth. And they really should have learned that at a at their first pay-per-view when they debuted the dark order and nobody knew who they were. 
That was a little interesting, uh, especially after tonight when like they cut the cameras. I mean, they they went over on time, and Dark Order mm-hmm. comes out and they cut the cameras. I I was I, I was not happy about that, man. Yeah, and that's the thing is that a lot of the time on Dynamite, a lot of that stuff gets missed, and a lot of that stuff gets freaking. It kind of like a lot of their technical issues and problems with like seeing stuff on camera and whatnot. They're four years in. A lot of that stuff should be fixed at this point. Like, it just should be handled better. And I don't... I personally don't seem to see, see all that much on Collision. But, you know, like I said, I, I think it's more... More put together. I think the show comes off as more put together. I think it comes off with a reason. It comes off... There are people trying to... There, there's a more of a concentrated effort to push talent that isn't pushed on dynamite, like Powerhouse Hobbs and freaking he he murdered a guy last week on Collision, and yet freaking what's the last thing he did on dynamite that was anything? I'm thinking, you know they're deaf, but they're definitely going out of their way to push this talent. You know Ricky Starks tagging with CM Punk is a big deal. You know, tagging with FTR is a big deal. Freaking, they added the gun club to Bullet Club Gold, and it actually makes sense. But they've pretty much established they're a collision act. And that that's the worrying part about this. And I think I've, I've mentioned it before for sure. Yeah. Is that when you do such a contrast between these two shows, and especially with the knowledge and I, and I know they know this because it's obvious, is how tribal wrestling fans are. <laughs> yeah. You, people are going to pick sides. People are going to pick, I'm a dynamite guy. I'm a collision guy. And people are going to make it a point. And you're going to put a wedge in your, your own audience because the shows are so different that freaking people are going to pick one over the other. It's like if I if I miss an episode of Dynamite, who cares? If I happen to work late, eh, no big deal. Catch collision. But then you turn around, and, but you know, no. If if I miss Collision, I'm going to rewatch that the next day. Yeah. You know, freaking we we, we miss Collision because we were at Comic Con this past weekend. I watched it uh, freaking right after I got off of work on Sunday. No questions asked. Yeah. If I, yeah. If I'd have missed freaking. I'd have missed Dino. I've missed Dynamite several times because of work. I've never once gone back and watched it. Ouch. I've never. There's never once been anything where I'm like, "Oh, I gotta see that." It's been a while. And that that's that's sad. That you shouldn't have that, and you shouldn't have that in your own product. And that's that's a dangerous course to run. Because, like I said, it, it lends legitimacy to the claims that everyone's talking about that Brawl Out was legit. And it it probably was. But also, freaking, you'd like to think at this point that a bunch of grown men could sit and figure out how to make stuff work. But if they're not, and freaking... It is one show versus the other, and it's going to end up being where they don't care if the fans pick sides. Somebody's got to win, and somebody's got to lose. And how long does that take? There shouldn't be winners or losers in your own fed when it comes to the fans. There shouldn't be. I agree wholeheartedly. But it's a dangerous game they're playing. 
Would you ever take that risk as a booger? No, that's stupid. I don't even like. I don't. I don't even like like anything to do with other feds. If you're, I'm a big believer in if you're gonna, you know, you don't need to. You definitely don't need to like hate on other feds because it does. At the end of the day, it does not. A, it doesn't do anything positive for your fed. Right. And B, it can negatively affect it because there are going to be fans of other shows. A, you know, AEW, there's going to be fans of WWE. There's going to be fans of Impact. There's going to be fans that watch multiple shows. It's just going to be. If you make a po- uh, point to be that, you know, our Fed's the best Fed, our Fed. And, you know, if you're working for a Fed, obviously you want your Fed to be the best. Of course. Like that. Why would you be doing it otherwise? Why would you want to be doing yeah. it otherwise? But it, this is one of our but first... But like you're... This is one of our first conversations. Sorry, uh, I got in the jazz. Uh, was one of the best pieces of advice I ever got was stay in your own lane. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about what cars are driving past you. Don't worry about what they are. Just stay in your own lane. Put your nose to the grindstone. Keep going. I mean, because we all like. Unfortunately, most people learn it the hard way that comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah, and Cause that, that's the thing though. If you freaking if you piss off other fans of other shows by talking mess about their other you know, the other shows not one person is going to come to your show because you did that but people may leave your show because of it it's definitely you know, something it's as simple out. as that it's one of the reasons why i uh other than the customer service uh don't like going to uh vans was because mm-hmm. uh the first time i went there i found some dope comics i found a uh Hellraiser card set I've been looking for forever, and as I'm checking out, he starts uh, freaking bashing out of nowhere. The other comic book store feds, like he's the only true comic book store, and I'm like, yeah, I'm never coming back here again. <laughs> like just, like that's that's. What? I don't think I ever brought that up with you before because it just it just occurred to me that that memory. But like, why would you bash on these people? Like you don't even know them. Like one of the stores he particularly was bashing. Um, they used my stereo equipment at their wedding. I was there. Like, <laughs> those are friends of mine. Yeah. Like, uh, mm-hmm. the last time we were there, one of the owners like was like, I hadn't seen her in a while. It was just, it was immediate hugs. Like, dude, <laughs> like, uh, don't ever want to come back here. But it's definitely like I, I like your point. It's definitely a dangerous game to play. Like, like you're like you're setting your own foot on fire. Yeah. The last time anybody got anything out of it, like doing stuff like that, was ECW in the 90s because they were the counterculture fed. That was the whole joke, was that if you went left, they went right. You said up, they said they went down. And freaking, they that whole purpose was to utilize the fact that it was us against them, utilize that tribalism to get them, to make them bigger, to make them appear bigger. And even then, you know, uh, quite a bit of that time, they were freaking, you know, working with WWF at the time to establish talent. They were working with WCW at points. They they were exchanges of talent. But their entire, the entire aura of their Fed, their brand, was that they were this counterculture thing, and that's why it worked for them. You know, AEW is not counterculture. It's something different, and that's good, but it's not, you know, screw you. This is what we're doing it our way. 
this is exactly what we were talking about when we were first pulling up to my house when we got back from the con was me talking about like how the not just the honeymoon phase is over but a lot of the specialness is gone from AEW because I was like so just invested in these indie guys that were you know working as hard as they could to make their own product their own brand and AEW scooped them up and then you were like they killed PWG I was like oh he's right they killed yeah. PWG and then the other they thing PWG they they hurt Ring of Honor almost freaking killed a it. lot of a lot of feds freaking a lot of feds freaking that were top notch five years ago were gone. Things that you felt special being a part of. And uh, New, New Japan doesn't matter anymore in America. Bullet Club doesn't matter to anybody anymore. No. Bull, Bullet Club's been so watered down. Everybody, every Fed in America that is on any type of national TV has three or four guys that claim Bullet Club. AEW's got them with Bullet Club Gold. Freaking Impact's got them with ABC. Freaking WWE has their own Bullet Club. It's called the OC. The OC. Everybody, every major Fed has their own version of Bullet Club. And it, none of them work. None, none of, them, of work. them are making money. And then the other thing, uh, obviously, you know, this is obvious to people that have been into wrestling for so long, but uh, if you guys haven't been in a long time, look up, you know, the night that everyone changed the channel. No. That was, uh, in my opinion, that was the nail in the coffin. Yeah. I mean, freaking one, one fed freaking talked mess and freaking, you know, one fed freaking went out there and had a show and freaking who's left standing and who's not. Correct. Correct the mundo. You know, it was, it wasn't the last thing that killed them, but it was definitely the biggest, you know, they tried to say, screw you and the fans responded in kind. You know, was what it was freaking. You had a guy that was beloved winning a world title. And on the other show that was talking the garbage, you had a finger poke a dill. It is what it is, man. Freaking. Stay in your own lane. No, we yeah. we talk a lot of mess about everything we do, but we're proud of our product. We, we've never bashed another yeah. fed on this, on, on this recording, and I dare you to find us ever bashing a, another fed on here. People, yes. Feds, no. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> there's, there's been some, uh, some scoundrels, some rapscallions, some rascals out there that have tried to do us wrong, and we're still standing. And uh, before I forget, uh, we have a micro bet going on here. By the way, that that variant issue doesn't exist. That was a different artist. Uh, so we got to pick a different one. Uh, we've got a little micro bet going on for Collision this Saturday. Uh, who's going to win against uh, Samoa Joe and CM Punk? Yep. I'm going to win. Oh, I'm going to win that one. I'm positive on this one. Okay. History is going to prevail on this one. Okay. I'm just gonna leave it at that. All right. But yeah, no, I, I am as an unabashed CM Punk supporter. I'm obviously going for CM Punk to win. Mister Michael here says that uh, Samoa Joe is going to beat him yet again. History's gonna prevail on this one, man. Like uh, you, you're, you're, you, you've been dead on about when Punk needs the win. Now, if your speculation about who is a true control over Collision, I think despite the ego. Joe needs to win this. 
I don't know because Joe. Neither guy needs the win because okay. they're both they're both main event guys no matter what. Against each other, against anyone else, yeah, no one needs no one needs the win. But against each other, Joe needs the win on this one. It's not gonna look good if Punk is help running the show backstage, and he's doing the the quintessential terrible mistake of the Booker putting himself over. See, that's the thing. I never said he was. He's not on the booking committee. Yeah, but that show is completely. He's a, he's established the booking committee, and the show was made to feature him. You can't feature him if he's not in the main in the finals of that tournament. He's the center point of gravity. Like if if he has any sense, he's gonna put Joe over. Nope. The reason the reason being, if CM Punk is going, the thing about it is, is Joe gains nothing by winning. If Punk makes it to the finals and then puts over the young up-and-coming talent in either Ricky Starks or Powerhouse Hobbs, then they've done something because they beat CM Punk. It's a bigger deal to beat Punk than to beat Joe. And freaking, it's the, the other half of that bracket is completely set up to make a star. You're not wrong, but I'm sticking with Joe. And uh, off camera, we'll figure out which uh, we're we're, we're going to pick a medium priced variant on this one. Probably an Alex Ross from that. Oh no, definitely an Alex Ross. It's got to be an Alex Ross on this one. The, the, the so micro micro bets Alex Ross. We'll find him. <clears throat> In honor of that, I say we go for freaking the uh, since um, I'm about to finish that Iron Man run. I say we go with the Alex Ross Iron Man variant. Hmm. Or you can pick a new... That's the one I want. And if you want another one, you can pick it. I will pick one that is in the same price range. I want Astro City number one. Did you not get that from Uncle Ed? I did not... Yeah, I did get that from Uncle Ed. Uh... You can think about it. We'll talk about it. Well, we'll talk about it later. But but it's... We've been... It's been a little bit since we did a little bet... I still got to pony up the cash for Elvira. That's going to be a good day. We're having the camera on on that one the entire time. I'm actually going to... I might. I, if we can't find someone to hold Bridget, I might even ha- hand uh, Bridget off to a stranger to make sure we got that whole thing on camera because it's <laughs> Elvira. Um, exactly. She'd understand. Um, but uh, wrestling aside, man... That way, that, way you can get, that way you can get your first tattoo. I, will, I, I want that tattoo, man. I want that Elvira tattoo. And you can be okay. on camera laughing at me the whole time. And I will. Don't think for a second I won't. <laughs> so friends are well, for. Yeah, no. Yeah, exactly. Chat, we got... hold your hand while you make bad decisions. Terrible decisions. But no, not Elvira. Elvira is a good decision, man. On this one, uh, I say we go into Night Terrors, man, because I haven't been... If you don't mind me taking a point on First Blood... Um, I haven't been on the jazz about a first issue for a new like event series like this in so long though. I was excited for the Tinian kicking off freaking, you know, Fear State. Yeah, Fear State was solid, yeah. It, it was solid, but I wasn't as excited on page two in Fear State as I was on page one on what's going on here in First Blood. We've got amazing cover uh we're we're focusing in like now in hindsight i'm looking at the first you know the cover we've got wonder woman at point at first we got um 
Harley Quinn, we got Deadman, Batman, Superman, Zatanna. Who is that gentleman on the far left? That is our man, I believe. But we got the eyes in the back. Because we've got a new villain here, uh, Mr. Um, Insomnia. Insomnia. And I'm still a little teed. I thought I had a good idea to make first appearance of someone in a free comic book day, but I've, I'm wrong. There's a couple uh, really big ones. Uh, you, you mentioned them earlier off camera, if you don't mind uh, giving us a couple of free comic book day first appearances to really solidify that just because it's free and might not think it's canon might surprise you that it is because that was our first insomnia yeah no we got um grail who is dark side's daughter we got simon baz from the green lantern Corps. uh umbrella academy debuted in a free comic book day um and the uh when jim gordon was batman his armor debuted on a um, free comic book day comic. Speaking of Gordon, real quick, man. Oh, and uh, Blade's daughter debuted really in this year in a free comic book day. either this year or last year in a free comic book day. It was last year. So uh, I think I've got that one for sure. Pretty sure, dude. We hit last year. Oh, and what did, did somebody <clears throat> debut in that DC Primer they put out recently? Not to my oh, recollection. Was that, just a, was that just a good? I think, I think Lady freaking uh, whatever Lady Peacemaker is Peace Wrecker. I think I'm not a hundred percent positive on that one, but I'm pretty sure Peace Wrecker debuted. Well, I thought it was a good idea to do it, but obviously a few other people got a, the jump on us, but that's okay. But we've got we started off. We got Mister Destiny. I'll. Uh, Doctor Destiny. Doctor Destiny, like almost like a a Frank Castle dream here. His wife's alive, his kids alive. They're frolicking, and he, in fact, Doctor Destiny, isn't really truly the bad guy here. Especially when we've got his face plastered over so many different things here, and he knows that the Nightmare Stone has been stolen. We've only been introduced to the Dreamstone, mm-hmm. and. Font's great. Production on this is gorgeous. Writer Joshua Williamson. Artist Howard Porter. Williamson, let me pull it up real quick, is responsible for quite a few books for uh, that we've enjoyed. Batman Black and White, uh, especially, notably, he's the one that wrote Batman One Bad Day Bane. Oh, nice. He's, okay. had, he's had his fingers in quite a lot of other things here. And then we've got... Um, Insomnia, like I said, mentioned uh, first appearance in the Free Comic Book Day. And we've got the artist, Howard Porter. He's had his fingers in quite a lot of things here. And I was looking up uh, some of the art that was going down here. It was pretty standard. Make sure, proportionate, you know, don't go too far. And uh, Mr. Porter here, I feel, finally got to be left uh, let off his leash here. And really establish his own style here. Like, And by his own style... After this book, if he continues this, I'll be able to take one look at a page and know that that this was him. This yeah. is this is a porter, and the the artwork is absolutely glamorously gorgeous. It's no talking heads, 
like the the little insides you see dead man you know we, we mentioned this is actually something we talked about on the way to uh, comic-con and the other night was how much of an underrated um character that dead man is and oh yeah no big big boston brand fan totally popping for him on this and he's sensing something that superman wonder woman and batman might be haunted not that there's something dead here in fact he can't even infiltrate the dead on this one we find uh dr destiny's body in the secret room in the hall of justice and we get a phone call harley quinn right after batman said no destiny's in arkham how can he be here and miss harley quinn calls up and like hey uh dr destiny's there's something going on here he's in some sort of crazy catatonic state no one can stabilize him no one can wake him up and mr boston brand decides to call an audible and get in a batman which really surprised me because oh, that's batman it's a it's a well known fact that <laughs> Batman does not like Dead Man. <laughs> and do not get do not do not approach do not do not pass uh, go do not collect two hundred dollars do not even think about infiltrating his body but he did it anyway, and while he's doing so Boston was able to show him a little bit of what he knows, communicate to Superman and Wonder Woman, and by some miraculous feat Batman is able to psychically control it and quite literally barf dead man right out of him get out i was fighting off his control the whole time but caught what he had to say i heard him and they split up and then we turn the page here we've got a a mole an infiltrator communicating to one of my all-time favorite characters probably in my top 10 miss amanda waller we still haven't been explained why she's back on Earth. And uh, Dr. Destiny's body does something completely different. Takes over. All of a sudden the nightmares are infiltrating everything in the real world. People are falling asleep. We've got Zatanna trying to help um, poor Detective Chimp. Even her magic is useless completely useless to wake these these poor people up and we get a park i love that i was I popped for that it was hilarious superman gets infiltrated his dreams we see flashes of the other heroes nightwing we see joker flash and more falling asleep and the dreams taken over batman is fighting it He's in control of the dream as much as someone can be in control. And this is something I mentioned earlier. There's a lot of horror movie homages here, but not in an egregious way that I would think that this is like uh, someone wanted to write a horror you know, horror comic book. Yeah. There's some true blue to this. Like, I feel there's some catharsis in this, the way that... Um, the intricities of the story and the way that the characters are talking and the way that the story is developing... 100% indicates to me that this is, like I said, a catharsis. Like, possibly even similar to James O'Barr, you know, trying to get over the, the death of his, you know, his girlfriend uh, by a drunk driver. With amazing new artist, or newer, or 
not newer, what's the word I'm looking for? I am looking for someone that people haven't been paying attention to, and now he's on the freaking map. And we get a better look at Insomnia, and then we launch into the five other books for July 4th. We got Night Terrorist Batman, Black Adam, Poison Ivy, Ravager, and the Joker. Um, do you want to go in order, or do you want to pick? Ah, really go. I think the one big thing we need to point out real quick, though, is that the reason that he's looking through everybody's nightmares is because he's looking for the nightmare stone. Yes, forgive me. I got too, too into the, but, uh, uh, the yeah. writing. The whole thing is that it got put into somebody's mind, basically, their subconscious. And he doesn't have access to that unless they're dreaming. But we have absolutely no idea where the nightmare stone is. So that's why we're tra- traversing the dreams of both our favorite heroes and villains. It's funny the way that, that the way they're presenting it. Like if you wonder why we're called minefields, it's very similar to this, but we're not going through nightmares. We're going through different stories and how it's constructed, you know, end all be all give you a good show. But at the same time, like try to clue you in on like how to actually enjoy a comic or just a story in general. And this is hitting it right on the head, man. I, I do have to say yeah. for all you minefielders out there that are like, oh, this just sounds like Freddy Krueger. It's not. This is not Freddy. I might have mentioned horror movies, but this is not a, not Freddy at all. Yeah. But yeah, no, nah, man, we got to, let's, I mean, we're going to go in order. Let's start off with Batman. Yep. I mean, you know, kind of Batman kind of is really, it kind of came off to me like paint by numbers because of course they're mentioning his parents and. You know, of course, Batman is you know able to fight back because he's Batman. His will is second to none. But it's a lot of the imagery in this book is really what sets it apart. You know, we see young Bruce, but his eyes are darkened or his eyes are red, and outside of them are it's black, and you can see the the tears the entire time. Mm-hmm. He's he's talking. Just, just real quick as we start the book, I, I do want to point something out here, just a little bit of interesting history here. Uh, we see an older but not mature Batman preparing to go into what is 100% a sensory deprivation tank. Now, um, the Soviets pioneered this method of torture uh, in a sensory deprivation tank. They, they basically put you in a rubber suit, lukewarm water, deprive you of sound, sight all your senses i uh, it's written that they would break people within 15 minutes to incalculable insanity that there was no coming back from and batman for fear that his mind might go too far is subjecting himself to the torture of a sensory deprivation tank in which uh like I said, 15 minutes, incalculable, no coming back from insanity. And uh, Mr. Bruce Wayne here was in there for 24 hours. I mean, it's 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 basically, this is like a, a different way of showing, like, I mean, like, uh, in the Matrix, you know, like, they're going to save Morpheus. They go into the construct, and what do you need? Guns. Lots of guns. Mr. Wayne here is like, I need to prepare my mind. Yeah. It's unbelievable. I love it, man. But please continue. I just needed to put that little bit of a history in there. 
right. But yeah, no, it's uh, it, you know, like I said, it's a lot of playoffs. His history when his parents died, he has to escape from the pearls. He ends up in the movie theater. And Batman's he's in he's in control to a level, a certain level, because he knows it's a dream. But he doesn't necessarily know why he's in there yet. But he actually finds out that Dead Man is still in his body. And that is actually hurting his chances of escaping. But then he turns around and he meets Insomnia dressed as a Robin. And this is really the only time in the first set of issues that Insomnia goes out of his way to really address one of the main characters. And we see all of Batman's loved ones coming out of the grave. You know, we see his parents, we see Nightwing, we see Babs, we see Chief Gordon, Commissioner Gordon, and we see Selina. And Batman, you know, he's doing his best to try to, you know, fight his way through this situation. Just maintain... You know, as as we dig deeper into his subconscious, we see he ends up basically throwing up a bat with a gun on it, Ted. And it just gets, you know, kinda it gets kinda crazier and crazier as it goes in. But then he he wakes up enough to uh basically get his, his armor back. Be back before descending into his own further into his own nightmares. What do you think of and the then yet again? I'm sorry. Hmm? Sorry, sorry. What did you say? No, I just got on the jazz on this because it's just it, it's interesting yeah. that in order for him to become Batman in his own dreams, because he's trapped as a child, he had to get shot. Yeah. But yeah, no, he ends up descending into a cavern with his with the mask of Batman in it, and he ends up turning around, and all of a sudden he's basically become Joe Chill. And he's holding the gun up to his own parents and as he and he shoots him as the issue comes to an end. Dirty pool. That's a dirty pool. Yeah, and then we get a, a, a B story featuring Damian Wayne looking to understand dreams based on what happened in the free comic book day uh, comic featuring Insomnia. He was able to break out of that. Mm. But he, yeah, he's trying to understand, basically understand dreams. And this is something his grandfather, Rachel Ghoul, wasn't even able to, to fully understand. So he goes and meets this, this old man that tries to teach him the way. And he ends up finding this scroll. And he finds out it's somebody's somebody's dream, but he doesn't know who. And as he's signaling everybody to Gotham, in Gotham, you'll notice at different points in the story, both him and his father say no sleep till Gotham. That's so definitely a, uh, a code for something specific. Some, or somebody really likes the Beastie Boys. I kind of, I definitely got the Beastie Boys rhythm too. The scroll, but, though, uh, the, before we get too far, the scroll he's looking at, the, the sands of time are passing. The first thing I thought, you know, was you know that well he had the one minute but this is after the fact you know he already went through the battle and we've got this scroll we see insomnia killing 
the already dead dead man an ominous skull that from looked at it probably 12 15 times is pretty symmetrical other than the teeth and a few other parts there's nothing that stands out that's significant over the you know the sands of time and circling around it are bats and are those sparrows or i don't it's definitely not a robin this i think that's a hummingbird Possibly, hummingbirds must have stuck my head. Now the, the the tail and the the beak uh well it'd be longer if they're hummingbirds but I, I i really think this is one of those things that when this all wraps up we're gonna be like oh why, why didn't we see it because we had yeah. that in fear state and i like the mystery williamson uh, wrote this whole issue including the b story uh the other ones that uh and you know from this week or from other writers but anything else you got from what we're looking at here well, at the end, when the wind comes in and he ends up uh, falling asleep, when he opens his eyes, you'll notice that his eyes are red instead of their classic blue. So the only one with red eyes in here is insomnia. So as he uh, apparently he wakes, he, he thinks he's awake and he remembers his nightmare, and that he's got to find his father. But uh, he also he's he's back in his Robin outfit. But he definitely, like I said, those eyes kind of lead me to believe that insomnia might be inside of him. Or that he might be the one that uh, actually holds the key. And he might actually be the one that holds the uh, the nightmare uh, gem in him. Or, or the fact that he was one of the, he was the first person that insomnia like went after. And he was able to not really necessarily beat him but was able to wake up on his own accord like um uh sorry to reference the matrix again but it's it's how they brought back smith and reloaded was because when neo like jumped into smith and destroyed him at the end of uh the first matrix movie he explains and reloaded that when neo jumped into him it like imprinted something on him gotcha. it imprinted something on him and damien is not the type that I would think would ever rush into battle. Um, other than a couple of key issues, but not the Damien we know now, especially after the last Robin series, unprepared or not dealing with something. I mean, if his eyes are red, he feels he's gonna. He knows there's something different about him, but he's not gonna run into battle. Not you know, swinging a sword or machine gun that he he can't handle. Damien knows something and. I think that scroll has something in it, man. I feel like there's something I'm missing in it. But uh, next one, we've got... Uh, next one would be Black Adam. Black Adam. This one was pretty quick. Uh, if you don't mind, let me just uh, go into this one real quick. Black Adam. Yep. You know, we see him just, how dare you? Come to conduct. Falls into sleep into the mystical dream world followed by a cat that talks and for some reason everyone pisses off black adam for some reason this cat he's just totally cool following him like that's a little odd to me um as he goes through nightmare upon nightmare fighting off these nightmare demons losing his powers 
returning back to the uh, the form of a child, meets the cat that's known as Bast. And he says Shazam, but he doesn't get all his powers back. They go through different towers. Um, historically, if you're in some sort of wasteland, whether it's hell or something intergalactic, and you're encountering different towers that are numbered, I assume we're going to get seven he's got to go through. And as he beats the second one, bumps into Batman, which looks like true blue Batman to me. And Adam, we need to talk. The eyes are the right color. I'm assuming we just bumped into uh, Bruce traveling after turning, getting his armor back and becoming the bat within the dream, the nightmare that that's really Batman. And they, they're going to have to team up. Like, I mean, they'd have to, to get through all this. I mean, but we're going to have a JLA team up within the nightmare realm. I didn't, I didn't find too much other meat and potatoes in this man. It was gorgeous to look at. It was a quick read. I think I read this in like three, four minutes. Yeah. I wasn't, it wasn't a lot of meat and potatoes on this one. We got Poison Ivy next if you ain't got nothing else on that one. Give me just a second. I want to look up something. Sure. The Nightmare Escape on this, from what Adam was going through, is just gloriously beautiful. Like The the artist really knocked it out of the park, and and I can't in good conscience mention it without mentioning the artist's name. We've got... um, where are we here? Written and illustrated by Jeremy Hahn. Colors by Nick Filidari. Nick did a killer job. Thank you very much. I'm not saying that it was quick to read because the artwork wasn't interesting because that's actually what really drew me into this book. I actually kind of saved it because this story could have been an email. Yeah. But I interrupted but no, the, you. One, the one thing I wanted to mention, though, real quick, is a freaking... Um... The Batman at the end, kind of like a, it was. It was the way he was drawn. Actually, he looked a little skinnier. Too dated. I actually, to look. was kind of interested if it would be the uh, the Damian Wayne from the deceased universe, as opposed to actual Bruce Wayne Batman. That's a good point. I didn't think that he was too skinny. I just thought maybe it was just a really good dramatic pose that he like reined in to keep him between like i mean like drawing this sort of like three-point perspective from a bug's eye view is so hard uh yeah what i was thinking that they were just trying to fit him between the 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 two buildings but you're not wrong that's it and then uh, i just noticed this we've got the uh the poster uh to the uh right of bruce uh, to your left, if you're holding the book, uh, Hillbro's Three Ring Circus, featuring actual Dead Man, which is the the circus that Dead Man worked at where he was assassinated. Nice. So, so I mean, it very well might be. It actually might be Bruce Wayne with Dead Man inside of him, or it may just be another figment of, of a freaking Black Adam's nightmare. Do you think that so Dead Man? Be- Sorry. I said either way it could be interesting. No, it's it's 100% interesting. I'm just curious. Do you think that Deadman being inside Batman uh, is actually a hindrance? Because I don't. I mean, if anyone you're going to... I'd pick 
if I was going to infiltrate someone's psyche and their body to like communicate and fight crime or some crazy mystical being, I, I'd pick Batman over Superman any day of the week. Yeah, no, I definitely, if you're going to pick somebody, definitely Batman. I definitely think Batman thinks it's a hindrance, but, uh, you know, I'll see if Boston brand can save the day. Cause it's these kind of things are always like deceased. And, um, a lot of the movies, they always end up playing up John Constantine as like the hero that shouldn't be a hero, but steps up in the end. Like they do that a lot with Constantine. Like he's always like, "Oh, I'm, you know, I'm the selfish guy," but at the end of the day, you know, he's kind of got the heart of gold and he makes the ultimate sacrifice. But uh, it's kind of interesting to see that this time around, at least so far, we've gotten no John Constantine, and they're actually featuring Dead Man, who is not a character we tend to see a lot of. How did I not notice that? Because we went through the list, through all the one shots, yeah. like, and we were talking about Justice League Dark on the way to Con too. Mm-hmm. Um, no Johnny. Yeah, they they feature Zatanna. They've already featured Detective Chimp. They, you know, Dead Man's obviously a huge part of this book, but not once have they mentioned Constantine. No Johnny. That's interesting. Wow. So, I mean, they might just be thinking that we've had a whole lot of him lately and they wouldn't necessarily be wrong between, like I said, Deceased and he was in Green Hell. Um, so he's been featured in a lot of these uh, bigger books. He was in Batman Damned. Um, freaking... Green Hell's the one that sticks out the most to me. I mean, yeah. we, we haven't had a decent Hellblazer book in years. Yeah. The last one was really good. But yeah, it's just kind of like they really, you know, the last few years, kind of, we've really, they've been consistently playing up John Constantine as the, I'm not going to be a hero, but I'll end up being a hero at the end. Like I said, in the, uh, heck, he was all over the CW TV shows. You know, he was in the, uh, the animated movies quite a bit. And then, you know, he's been used a lot in comic books never in his own title recently, but always as like a B character that does a lot. Right. We're also missing but, Swamp Thing and uh, Brother... Um, the cool black dude in the black suit. No, the white suit. No, that's Marvel. I'm spacing. Yeah. Uh, but, but, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just, I was just saying, it's just, it's cool to... To feature Dead Man for once, you never get him a lot. Like the last time he was really featured heavily in a pretty in a really good book was probably uh, when they utilized Dick Grayson at, in, as as him in in the Injustice comics. We also we don't have actual Voodoo or Madame Madame Xanathu either. Yeah. All right. I'm fine with it. Not too fine without a lack of a good Johnny story, but we'll see what yeah, happens. Like I, like I said, I just think it's good to utilize another character for a change. Not wrong. We got Poison Ivy next. Yeah, no, Poison Ivy, a lot of it was just a... I got some definite Stepford Wives freaking vibes off this one. You know, they're basically in, you know, 
Harley and her are in suburbia and she's freaking out and Batman and Catwoman are their neighbors. I got a Edward Scissorhands feel on this one in the suburbia that they're in rather than a ominous Draculin castle. We've got an evil sun looking down on us, almost the way a kid would draw a sun. Even has a little, you know, the lights coming in in the face. Yeah, except it's, uh, I'm not seeing insomnia in it. I mean, like, but it could be. I mean, just because of the crags, but they've painted insomnia with the specific eyes, not just the, I'm not talking about the color. I'm talking about the design around his eyes. Mm -hmm. Um, But this was another quick read. Not bad. Artwork was amazing. Uh, what did you get from this? Like I said, I got some Stepford, Stepford Wives vibes. Like it's just, like all these people are basically pretending to be happy. Like you know, freaking Catwoman's pregnant with Batman's kid. Batman's over here, freaking. Uh, it's too hot. It's too nice to be out to be indoors. So they're all he's just cooking burgers and weenies on the on outside on the grill. Apparently, I've got you know, Batgirl and Riddler riding on a multi-seated bicycle and then Helen from HR is trying to figure out what the heck's going on. The yellow and for, yeah, everyone's just overly everyone's overly happy but they're all faking it. You can tell by the eyes. Even Batman who you can't even see his eyes. Right. Almost like And they've all got this weird eyes. stuff coming out of their mouths. All the yellow. Yeah. I'm looking for more clues on this one because the artwork is really detailed. Yeah. But that's but it's something. super interesting towards the end because they're uh, Harley and Ivy kiss, and then when she does, Harley's, you know, they've got the uh, the yellow honey like uh, substance coming out of both their mouths, and Harley and uh, Poison Ivy get sucked into the fantasy. So the only one out here that has no idea what's going on, or has no idea what's going on, is apparently Helen from HR. And while everybody else is just kind of staring over her, she's trying to desperately trying to wake up. Is now everybody's in on whatever is going on. Yeah, but what does she have anything to do with Poison Ivy? And why would she? I have no, I have no idea who Helen from HR is, so I don't. I'm not a reader of the Harley Quinn books, and I'm obviously assuming that's, you know, where she's from. Yeah, I mean, we're not being lazy not researching it. It's just that Harley Quinn books are frankly terrible. Um, But still, even then, I'm, I'm liking the mystery. The artwork is amazing. The doll's eyes, the giant googly doll's eyes on everybody. Riddler, Penguin, Batsy, Babs, Selena. Uh, is that that's not Dick, is it? Or is that uh? Yeah, Nightwing's dad. Nightwing's the guy washing his car. Yeah, that's Dick. Um, Ravager. The only one I have on this because Ravager's so new. Uh, straight out of the pages of Robin. Uh, Deathstroke, Deathstroke's kid. Yeah, it's Deathstroke's daughter. She's been around since uh, New Teen Titans, I believe. 
had no no knowledge of her before them, and because you're a DC guy. But yeah, no. Um, so she ends up finding this girl in this abandoned house that's being uh, freaking that these these monsters are after her, and her name is Rose as well. And basically, we find out that her father's this monster that can travel through people's blood once it's exposed to air. And they're after her. And for some reason, Rose is a uh, she can she's clairvoyant. She can see the future. And for some reason, those powers aren't working in her nightmare. But she ends up rescuing the little girl. And she kind of ends up telling her what the backstory is, you know. Apparently, when you know, when they're cut, the uh, when people are cut, the murder men can travel through the blood. And there's three of them. One of which is her father, who's the leader, and then his two subservients, Rager and Vexer. And Rose basically, or Ravager basically, discovers that this is a younger version of her in this nightmare. And as she's, you know, trying to figure out a way to help this poor girl, this girl tells her that she's, you know, they're looking for a conduit to escape the, uh, the dream world and end up in the real world. And the obvious heel turn. Yep. And she says it with a smile on her face because little Rose thinks that's going to be her. And then as, you know, Ravager says it doesn't make sense, the other, the little little Rose stabs her. And just to get, you know, get a good blood out, you know, start making her bleed so that her father can come. And she just totally 180s on her. And next thing you know, she's kind of melts a little bit, has these possible scars, possible tattoos form on her. And they figure, because she's assuming that she's the bridge. And that uh, Ravager's going to be their way out of here as she loses consciousness in her own dream. Um, Rager and Vexer show up behind Little Rose. And we go back to the real world where it comes, turns out that Peacemaker 1's found Ravager's unconscious body. Remind me of what happened to Peacekeeper 1 at the end of Fear State. He didn't die. They took him to custody, right? Yeah, they took him into custody and now he's part of Stormwatch, which is also run by Amanda Waller. It might be her new version of Suicide Squad, so I don't think we have a Suicide Squad at the moment. And he's like, I'm going to wake her up, but, uh, you know, the people in charge tell tell him not to because they don't know what it's going to do to her. And he's just like, great, because her and a bunch of other people around her are all unconscious. And he's like, I didn't sign up for Stormwatch to babysit a bunch of sleeping babies. So well, we're gonna find out what happens with her next issue. I'm loving the production on this. The same use of the font. Great use of the main logo. They have not picked anyone that's done any art that in any way chafes me. It's all, all different. However, it's all great. Uh, we're yeah. moving into Joker here, which man, I had to put the book down. This was hilarious, freaking. Batman slips and falls after the Joker trips him. He smashes his face and slowly slides off the 
slides off. I don't, the think, I don't even think Joker trips him. I think he just slipped in the rain. Which I mean, if we're in a Joker oh, yeah, you're nightmare, right. no, I, was, I was looking at the the part of his uh, jacket. That's not his. That's not his other foot. Yeah, he slips. Yeah, he just slips and falls in the rain. I think that's part of the whole nightmare. Is that Joker didn't even get get to kill him himself? It was just an accident. He's so distraught. He's so distraught. He's so upset. Well, Batman's dead. Yeah. Well, boss, isn't that what we wanted? Maybe. Oh, he <laughs> wanted to kill him. It's a complete difference. Yeah, but even then, yeah. if he still would have done it, I still think he would have had the same reaction. Like, I just killed Batman. Now, what What am I going to freaking do? Yeah. That's the thing. His entire reason for living is gone. Because it's all about the game. It's all about, like, he's got no one to play with now that Batman's dead. It's not like he's going to go try to, you know, off Green Lantern or off Superman. They're having family so dinner. You. I dig it. Yeah. Yeah, and then Joker has to go and find, do the one thing he never thought he'd do. Get a day job. Though I do like the fact that he is interviewed for his job by the very bad guy of this story, Insomnia. And Joker just keeps doing a horrible, horrible job at what he's doing and keeps getting promoted. Goes out of his way to com- like make some sort of mayhem. I mean, this... this, this uh, 12-panel page here. No matter what he tries to get any information out of, this poor woman trying to tell him what his job is, she's got a, a different way to tell him that's not what we do. <laughs> yeah. What we do is actually more you... useless than what you just thought it was. Yeah. And I like the fact that his hair gets more and more disheveled every time you look at it. Oh, yeah. But yeah, he just he can't handle corporate life at all. So much so that he ends up killing his supervisor again we've mentioned it before with a microwave last house on the left all over again mm-hmm. but look at that. and then as he's about to kill his his boss boss with explosives he ends up getting yet another promotion <laughs> like is he like well, what's the point of the gas mask it's all it's all gas but no doesn't matter <laughs> maybe maybe yeah maybe it's joker maybe it's joker gas and the uh Instead of actual explosives around his waist. Enough to even hurt him, he's got to put a mask on. It's still just not funny. Yeah. And we get to the bar, and he can't even create mayhem there. Like He's he's the boss. He's trying to get everyone to drink, and everyone knows better. You don't get drunk with your boss. Like, just terrible idea. I mean, I get drunk with a Joker, but they just ain't having it. Like, he even gets assaulted yeah. in the alley by his ex-cronies. <laughs> yeah. Not having it. Yeah, and then he's just done with it. But yeah, everybody laughs at his jokes, and everyone thinks he's great, and it drives him insane. He just, he can't handle being normal. Like, he can't handle being, just being another guy, just being a bro. It drives him insane. Yeah, this is, like, actually my favorite book out of all of them, is that, that his nightmare was normality. Yeah, and then the last page is probably going to be a poster somewhere at some point. So they're sitting down after a hard day's work, 
gonna watch the Real Housewives of Gotham City. He's not missing anything. Yeah, well, he's already watched everyone. He's rewatching them, and freaking, he's got a dead bat corpse in his freaking closet. While everyone keeps telling him that Batman isn't dead, we just saw him. He's like, but he's yeah. in my, he's rotting in my closet right now. He's changing the channel from the news, the housewives. He's Joker's got an ottoman. <laughs> yeah. That's horrifying. Yeah. Everything he's, you know, everything his entire life has been altered because he, you know, killed his arch nemesis. Well, the thing is, like I said, he didn't even kill him himself. He tripped and fell. Like, didn't he have any, He tripped, like, fell, and died. What was it? Like, he didn't he have any, like, slip-proof sneakers or something? Like, just boom. He didn't. He didn't have his back galoshes that night. You know, it's funny you say that because I rewound. If you zoom in, uh... They actually over-accentuate the, uh, the treads on uh, Batsy's boots there. <laughs> but this, this was hilarious. It was a great tale. The artwork was gorgeous. And it's just, after we just went through, like, Joker doing everything he can, like, like what normally should be something horrifying, I, I, I can't think of any issue of the Joker or any time I thought where like he was keeping dead bodies around for a freaking lark, and yeah. uh, or, or I mean I imagine if he really did he wouldn't be in his closet or the bureau behind his uh, his recliner in his ottoman mm-hmm. and that it we just went through so much mayhem like it wasn't even a big deal that Batman's like dead in the closet he didn't even yeah. bother going through the utility belt that'd have been the first thing I did well, I want to know what's in there. Find the bat shark repellent. Hundred percent. But we got. Uh... Well, yeah, no, it's a. Uh, it's been in- it's it's interesting to see, which uh, what's you know heroes and villains have what nightmares and how a lot of the villains are freaking just wanting to be normal, like just hate the thought of being normal. I mean, except for Poison Ivy, who really just kind of seems to hate the thought process of being controlled. It's kind of really what seems to be the biggest thing in her book. She can't turn. But she can't it's turn super interesting. If you're gonna get all of them, it's kind of a really good gateway to get into new characters. Because a lot of these books I wouldn't buy otherwise. Like they the punchline part book? of this. Yeah, no i I picked up the first punchline book from the freaking the Gotham games, and it was garbage. It was terrible. I I was not a fan. Um. But it's it's interesting. It's an it's an idea that freaking. It's definitely got some legs on it. I kind of wonder why they're doing it for July instead of October, or at least September leading into October. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. They're doing such a dark book. In the summer, and yeah, they're they're taking such a non traditional way to do it. I'm like when each book end, ends with to be concluded. I'm like okay, so maybe they're gonna do like a part in issue two. Nope, there's no issue two to any of these. Other than no, there, there's definitely there's definitely an issue two to a bunch of them. Uh, I in the checklist I am looking at, and I'm not. I know the Batman ones definitely got a number two. I think a lot of them did. I think. Oh, you know what? You're correct because this only goes to the end of July, and because the checklist ends with the terrifying two month event concludes in August. You're correct. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, they were definitely gonna get some conclusions on these. Forget some of them might be merged together in the second one but 
but yeah, we're going to get some interesting stuff. We're going to get to see, you know, characters in a different light. And that could be, I'm, I'm definitely invested. Like, I think I'll, like, I wasn't the biggest fan of the Poison Ivy one, but kind of looking back, I think I'm a little bit more into it than I originally was. So it'll be interesting to see where they go with this and how they're going to portray this new character, Insomnia, and who's going to eventually have the uh, the Nightmare Gem in them. Though I'm pretty sure it's going to be in Damien. I don't think it's Damien, man. I think Risha Ghoul's going to going to come into play in this in some in some yeah place. i mean um, you never know he's in been... which case it would definitely be in damien yeah <laughs> definitely could but uh but yeah i mean it'll be interesting to see heck maybe only being dead man himself somehow he's got the stone inside of his mind something's happening at that circus but we're looking we're looking so... at a solid almost 40 issues if not a little bit more for for night terrors yeah i think so freaking each one's got a two. Because the first one's a six. It's like six, six, five, and six. The eighteen twenty-three issues just for this month. Yeah. So it's gonna be uh it's gonna be taken over quite a bit, that's for sure. I mean on the upside though, you don't need to pick up every issue to be I'm not sure there's gonna be little things here and there that you're gonna need to pick up, but like in Ravager, the gateway. Maybe. I mean, let's see where that you know, where that leads. It's going to be anything that's even mentioned in the uh, the main Night Terrors books. So, but I mean, I'm definitely I'm definitely into the into it so far. I think the first week has definitely been awesome. So we'll see where it goes from here. Made me happy, man. I wanted to go into some She-Hulk, but I don't want to end the show off in a terrible romance comic that just just chafed me, but. We're getting issue 15. Hopefully she gets her act together, but I think that's all we had on the list for tonight, man. Yeah, I don't know, man. We didn't really have... I don't even think we really discussed a list. We just said, we're going to go on talk about Night Terrors. Yeah. So. I'm on the jazz for these books, man. Yeah, no, it was, it was solid. It's definitely a solid first week. We'll see where they go once we uh, get into the actual Night Terrors books, because it's going to be four of them. And then all the uh, all the side stories of the other characters while uh, Insomnia is looking for the Nightmare Gem. No idea where it's going to be, but I think it's my turn. Cool. Sounds like a plan. Guys, thanks for joining us. We've got some excellent video footage on this. Great audio recording. Buy our t-shirts. What can I say? We get mugs. You get mugs. We need mugs and a hat. I'd like a and a beer koozie. Oh, we definitely need a beer koozie. That'd be great. A koozie for we something to keep cool, koozie. especially in these hot summer days. Hmm. Thank God we're in Colorado, man. Everyone's roasting. But mm. yeah, like what like I said, what can I say, um, guys? This is minefields. This is dangerous, and this transmission is over. Boom. Buy the shirts. Buy the shirts.